From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 237. Today's show is brought to you by Lunar Display, Squarespace, and Green Chef. And oh boy, do we have a big, super special Ooh. episode for you today. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hey, Mike Hurley. Um, I think Apple has woken from its um post christmas slumber it's out of the apple is out of hibernation uh mm. jason we have a huge show today Giant. so my hashtag snell talk question comes from me and it's to you what is happening on today's episode uh lots of things are happening on today's episode mike there's a draft that'll happen later mm-hmm. because we have an event next week next week monday i will be there steve jobs theater uh services we're doing a draft and because it's a different kind of event we have planned a different kind of draft haven't mm-hmm. we it's going to be oh, the yes. experimental upgrade draft but what do we have before that well i'm glad you asked before that we have uh, something fun we have an interview we do which is not the first time we've done interviews here on the show we did i did those interviews um a while ago uh from the masters of automation event and we've had a few guests and all that this is this one's a little different i got a chance to sit down with Colleen Novielli, who you may not have heard of, but you probably will again in the future, she is the iMac product manager, and we have new iMacs to talk about, because after a little bit less than two years, the iMacs have gotten refreshed, and I got a chance to sit down with Colleen, who basically her job is to live, breathe, eat, drink iMac, and talk a little bit about her and uh, her background uh, coming to Apple and how that informs uh, what she's doing with these new iMacs. And, and we talk, we have some processor specs and stuff in there too. Uh, a good conversation with, uh, with somebody, a new voice, honestly, a new voice from Apple. Uh, and I love that Apple is doing these podcast interviews yep. now and bringing some of their people out to uh, be seen and heard. I think, it's, uh, I think it's good. I think it's good to... For everybody to have some perspective about Apple as a company that's made up of lots of people who work really hard on these products, and we can criticize them, and 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 we do, but I think it is uh, also really great to hear from the people who who this is their career is caring about these products that get released, and and Colleen definitely is one of those people. Yeah, this is really exciting for us, of course, and uh, yeah, we think that you're going to love it too. And of course, that is also noting something you may not know, dear Upgradian, that. Then not only was iPads yesterday, there's new iMacs today um, because we have released this kind of on an embargo from Apple. So Jason has details and we're going to talk about those. Right. So news news breaking is, yes, there are new iMacs. Um, if you haven't heard that already, let us break that news. Mm-hmm. New iMacs after a little less than two years with uh, new processors and there's even some ninth generation intel processors in there which is kind of interesting and uh yeah so the the um apple's refreshing a lot of product lines mike this week even just a lot of refreshing going on (laughs) but i I can't even believe this is a follow-up item that we're just like breezing past but uh it is wwdc announced june 3rd to 7th in san jose uh, it's, it is happening. I guess we all yep. knew it was going to happen, but that is pretty much all we have to say about it today because we have many, many more things to cover. Um, and so I guess we should probably just jump straight into the interview, Jason. Do you think that sounds good? Yeah, that sounds great. Here then, dear listeners, is that interview. 
Okay, I'm here with Colleen Novielli, who is the iMac product manager. You have new iMacs. Congratulations. We do. And thank you very much. We're very excited. Thank you for uh, coming on the on the show. I wanted to ask, so I don't know if we've met before, and I don't know if people know you, but you are the iMac product manager, which is a pretty big responsibility. Do you have a you have a Mac story? Have you? How long have you been using Macs? I do. Um, my Mac story starts in, um, I'll say, about 2006 or seven. Um, I was um, working in Philadelphia, and I was forced into using a PC as part of, of my business. And um, I had always heard about iMacs, um, Macs in particular, um, MacBooks, and I wanted something portable. So I decided that I was going to buy myself, um, save my money, buy myself one of the um, white polycarbonate MacBooks. I thought it was super exciting and beautiful. Um, I actually bought it on Craigslist. It was one of my first Craigslist purchases ever. Mm. I think Craigslist is a pretty new um, phenomenon at the time. And so I met um, someone in a coffee shop. That's and a classic um, Craigslist I, maneuver. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we exchanged some cash. And I found myself with one of the most beautiful um, purchases I had ever made in my life. And that was my first MacBook. That's awesome. I, uh, I You know, when I bought my iMac Pro, I yes. sold my 5K iMac on nice. Craigslist. And yes, indeed, we went to a Starbucks and Did cash you? was exchanged. Oh, I was going to kid about that. You brought the iMac to a Starbucks with cash. That's, that's awesome. Nope, it, it happens. It happens. Um, and so your, you know, your background, you've been at Apple, what, five years? So Almost five years. How, yep. did you, how did you come to Apple? Um, I came to Apple um, because um, in my previous career, I have worked in product development, research and development, um, and a lot of um, product development functions. And um, I decided I wanted to go back and get my MBA. So I got a master's in marketing, um, specializing in topics like product development. And I decided that I wanted to work for the company that I thought had the best product development in the world. Um, I saw Apple as the ultimate focusing on the customer and customer experience, and then turning that into the best products that exist. Um, Beautiful um, in form and also absolutely wonderful, um, wonderfully designed Mac OS and and Mac um, hardware and function. Um, And so I set my sights on Apple and I was lucky enough to get an internship with the Mac team. All right. Let's hear it for that. I started as an intern too. Yes, that's here for interns. In. It's a great that, way in. Yeah, that's Work right. Work really hard, treat it as an interview, and hopefully you get lucky. That's right. And then hopefully they remember you and they're like, I like that intern. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. Hopefully they remember you is right. Yes. That's have good. lunch with as many people as possible so that they remember your name. I didn't know we were going to have intern <laughs> advice, but that's fine. We may pivot here <laughs> to good. advice for interns. That's right. All right. So you come to Apple. Yes. And um, I don't know if you know this, but the technology industry has a reputation of being... Um, kind of a boys club, not like it used to be, but <laughs> that there are that. so there are a lot of men on stage at events, and the, the, you know there's a perception of that. And certainly, when I, you know, 20 years ago when I started doing this, that was definitely um, the perception. Mm-hmm. And here you are, the iMac product manager, yep. and not a member of the boys club. Um, That's true. <laughs> this is, I, I mean, I don't want to make this something that that uh, is a like a defining issue or something like that, but clearly it's something that you've had to think about, about being a woman in a uh, increasingly visible role in a, at a technology company that's very visible yes. itself. Yes, that's true. Um, so first of all, um, Apple is a, you know, a company that prides itself on having a lot of diversity. Um, and there are women at Apple um, who are great, strong leaders. And um, coming to Apple, I was able to um, pretty immediately find some awesome women role models for, for me um, at Apple. Um, I think that a lot of times when you talk about women in tech, you talk about 
women needing to help other women um, come along in tech. And so then, then there'd be more women. Um, to me, um, being a woman in tech is all about finding role models and then being a role model. Um, I think when you're younger and you're trying to figure out, you know, what what can I be? You look for people who are like you. Um, so a really good example, I think, is that now that a woman has run for president of the United States, I think more women or more girls, if you were to walk into a classroom tomorrow, would raise their hand and say, you know, if you said, do you think you can be president? They would say, yeah, I think I could be. And eventually when a woman does become president, I think every girl would raise their hand and say, you know, I think I can be. Um, because when you see someone doing something who's like you, then you're more apt to say, oh, well, well, I could do that. And so I think um, for me, I've always looked for women, you know, oh, I can be like that woman. Um, not that I couldn't be like a man too, but I think there's something to, to finding someone who's just like you in a lot of ways. And then I strive to be that for other women, other girls who, you know, I want to give them a role model to say, I, I could do that. I could be a product manager at Apple. And then more women come into tech, the tech industry that way. I think that um, with my own kids, I've definitely seen that, that you don't say anything. They are so observant. Yes. And I do think that there's at least in some kids, that reluctance where they're like, am I allowed to do this? Am I in this space? And as adults, you might think, well, of course. Yes, exactly. But if a kid doesn't feel like they are represented, then they may just internalize, it's not for me. It's not, I'm not allowed to do that. I 100% agree with you. Yes. So um, iMac, obviously your life now, yes. your job now yes. is all about the iMac. It is. Now, so this is before your time a little bit, but I get to do that now. Yes. Having done this for this long, I get to do this. The iMac, when it came out, yes. was, um, it was a big deal, but it was also a, it was a consumer product. Mm -hmm. It was a low-end product. Yes. It was a product that was very possible, or very popular with the masses, but there were always those snooty Power Mac users who was like, you know, it's, it's, for, it's fine for some uses. And over the years, the iMac has really evolved and changed in a lot of different ways. Yes. It became, I think, the default Mac. Uh, I was one of those people who was like, well, I just buy a Power Mac. I was mm -hmm. like, I, I don't, I buy iMacs. I switched to the iMac a long time ago. Yep. Now we live in an era where we have probably more than three quarters of the Macs Apple sells are laptops. Totally. Um, the, we, we all have iPhones. We all have iPads. So... Obviously, and you and I were talking before we started, we both were going to talk about this, which is mm -hmm. the role of the iMac. Because yes. the role of the iMac, I guess, is always shifting, but mm -hmm. it keeps shifting. So what, you know, what are the, the ecological niches that the iMac fills today? What's the role of an iMac in 2019? Um, I think that that is a great question. Um, one that I have spent a lot of time thinking about um, myself and the teams at Apple. Um, you know, you mentioned I wasn't at Apple um, when the iMac was born. Um, lucky enough, and this is a little known fact, but my boss, Tom Boger, um, was actually the original iMac product manager. And so it's amazing that I get to learn from him um, some of the, th the things that were important from the original iMac and the iMac throughout its life. Um, the iMac has evolved uh, quite drastically since its inception as this approachable computer to get everyone onto the internet. Um, throughout its life, there were several um, notable points that I'll point to. Um, one thing that happened was the 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Um, when it took on this aspect ratio, it now became the um, uh, source of content, both creation and consumption for a lot of pros. Um, and then I think along the way, it also um, took on the Retina 4K and 5K Retina displays, which are incredible. Um, they're incredible 
for consumers, but they're also incredible for pros who are relying on the 4K, 5K resolution, um, 218 pixels per inch, um, what we call retina quality, to really do their work, to see yeah, that, that was, color and to see that detail. That was 2014. That was a big yes. step forward yes, for, exactly. for the iMac exactly. with the retina versions yep. of it. And so um, in this evolution, I think it has evolved into a product that really spans the widest breadth of consumer to pro in the Mac lineup. Um, you have very, very entry-level consumers. You have people who are very new to Mac. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have some serious pros using this every day as their lifeblood. And this is you know, what they rely on day in and day out to get their work done. Right. That base model, which hasn't changed, we should say, yes, that base model still correct. is the one that was there before. Correct. But that is that model exists to point to people who are um, who don't need a lot in terms of, of the highest of high tech, but they want to have that computer yes. that they can afford to have that computer that's got it all in one. They don't have to hook up a monitor or something like that. It's just that. And, and then it goes up from there to almost now with these new models, almost at iMac Pro territory. So it's covering a lot of ground. It is covering a lot of ground. Yes. It's a... Um a product that really spans um, many, many customer use cases. And the way within both of those product categories, so consumer and pro, um, the customers are using the product has also evolved quite significantly. As when the first iMac was introduced, it was really your central computing unit, your central desktop unit. Now, a lot of people, as you mentioned, are doing their compute in a mobile space, right? They're having, they have iPhones and they have iPads. Um, Sometimes they have both. They have Mac books that they want to take with them um, in a portable fashion. And then they have iMac, which has become, um, in a lot of ways, to, to some people, a complementary or ecosystem product that they're using alongside of those other devices. So the, the tables have turned a little bit, where it used to be sort of like the home computer was the center. And uh, I, I think the digital hub, Steve Jobs That's unveiled, right. was part of that. Like, yes. And then there was that moment where it said, oh, it's actually everywhere. The yes. iMac is kind of like that, too, where when... Um, when you're talking about in a home, now what we think of is this is the device that we park somewhere in the home and that everybody can use when they need a bigger screen or more power or just a different context. Yes. It's not the only place to go. Now it's a place for everyone to go when they need it. Yes, um, that is absolutely correct. And I'll talk just a little bit about the different ways that people are using it in the home. Um, so I think that everyone is familiar with the home office um, setup where you have your iMac and you're using your iMac either to run your business from your home or really that kind of central productivity device for your family. Um, you're probably doing um, Safari, you're looking for news, um, you're looking and checking your email. Um, at the same time, you're looking at your family calendar, and you're multitasking between a lot of consumer productivity applications. And then it has evolved in this way that I think is um, really beautiful for the family, um, and that is as a shared desktop space. And sometimes that space is outside of a home office, for example, in more of a family room, where it can be more of a communal, kind of more fluid type of product used in conjunction with your other devices. You sit your kid down at the computer to do their homework, but then in another context, the parents are, are using it for something. And then in a different context, maybe you're playing a movie on the on the big screen especially on the 27 inch model and it, it it's a like you said ecosystem earlier i think that's really interesting that that it's part of your larger story instead of being just 
the story. It's yeah. just part of a bigger story. That's absolutely right. Um, one thing that's really benefiting this, this types, uh, these types of customer scenarios um, is continuity. And so continuity is an amazingly seamless way to move whatever you're doing from your iOS device to your Mac and vice versa. And so I'll just give you um, a couple examples of, of how that would be used in the home as a shared desktop. Um, so picture, picture your family and you're all sitting around in your living room and um, one or more family members may be on their iOS device. So they have their iPhone um, or they have their iPad. And maybe someone gets a text message from a friend and it has a link to a website. And so they pull it up on their phone. Um, and it's great to use websites on the big, beautiful phones of our iPhones and iPads. Um, but sometimes it would be nice to walk up to a 27-inch iMac and use continuity to pull up that mm -hmm. same website and look at it full screen. Look, I, lo I love my iPad Pro, but I definitely have those moments where I say, I'm just going to go to the iPad, the iMac now. Absolutely. I just, it's the right, because it's the right context. Yes. And if I want to use continuity stuff, it will actually, my dock will pop up and say, here. Exactly. That's what you were looking for. Right. And so in that sense, it's really a bigger, more, it's very beautiful um, display that you're using. And you're able to continue all of the things that you're doing on your other devices. Um, but it also has the processing power of, of a desktop computer. Um, and so you're able to do basic things like pull up Safari and messages. But then also when you do want to do productivity or even pro tasks, you can use that shared desktop in that space as well. All right. So we talked about kind of a consumer and family concept. And then you mentioned Pro there. That is the other part of the story with these iMacs. It's been the story, and now it's even more so, that um, at the top end, there's this... Um, I, I cannot tell you how many people I know personally who have said, I can't decide between the high-end iMac or the iMac Pro because there is this... There's a gap there, and there's sort of this question of like, do I want the spec'd up iMac or the base model iMac Pro. And I feel like with the with the changes that you're making with these 2019 versions of the iMac, mm -hmm. that um, it may be a little bit clearer because some of that gap can go away. And so you can, it's a, maybe a little bit more easier to pick your spot in the iMac line now. Yeah, I think that the way that you're thinking about it is exactly right. Um, we do think of iMac as a family, both iMac and iMac Pro, and we think that it suits an entire range of customers from your base level consumers, like I said before, all the way up to your Sirius Pro with an iMac. And then iMac Pro takes it to a new level for workstation, work, workstation class performance. With the new updates, now you're able to go all the way up to an 8-core processor with iMac, 27-inch iMac, and you're also able to configure all the way up to a Radeon Pro Vega graphics option um, with 48 uh, compute units. And we do think that um, that will uh, serve the needs of many pro customers who want to use the 27-inch iMac and want to configure up to an 8-core processor and up to Radeon Pro graphics, uh, Vega graphics. But we, all, we then have iMac Pro, and iMac Pro starts with a Xeon right. processor at eight cores. It starts with 32 gigs of memory. It starts with a one terabyte SSD. Um, you have your four Thunderbolt ports, um, and you have 10 gigabit Ethernet. And so we think that there's a distinction there for the customers who want to kind of start at that level, configure a workstation class workhorse performance iMac, and configure up from there. Right. So it makes, it makes sense that there are people who might have chosen the base model iMac Pro. Um, and, you know, I think people go through this, have gone through this in the last year, but now there's a little more uh, space for them to pick their their spot and, and not necessarily need to go to the iMac Pro if they don't need to, because there's a lot of fundamental power that can get built into those higher end configure to order 
versions of the of the 27 inch the 5k iMac yes i think that there's an iMac now that will fit that whole spectrum of pro needs well we should talk about computer things yes i, I suppose we since, shall. since we're talking about this <laughs> sure. um the previous iMacs yes were from 2017 i believe yes that's right june of 2017 all right so it's been not quite two years yep and um one of the things that struck me about the new specs yes. in these models is that those were sixth generation intel is that right those were seventh generation those were seventh generation yes the KB-like new ones yes. are eighth yes. and in some cases ninth generation that so is de- correct depending on what you buy you may actually leapfrog a generation <laughs> that's true in these in these systems so tell me um tell me about the 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 ninth generation intel you've got these cores i should i i'm getting very excited about cores here we should step back <laughs> yes okay every 5k imac has at least Six, six cores. cores. That's correct. So that's it's very a, that, exciting. That's a good Across start. Across the line. It's a great start. And then if you say, well, that's not enough, you have an eight core i9 option. That's absolutely correct. And that's the ninth generation yes. as well. Yes. So um, I'll clarify a, a bit. So on the 27-inch iMac, we are going to have um, across the three base configurations that are available and will be available um, today, we have two eighth-generation six-core parts on two of the configurations. And then on the highest standard configuration, we move to ninth-generation. Ninth-generation is also our eight-core CTO or configure-to-order part as well, and that's the i9 part. And um, Intel just recently in the fall announced their ninth generation of processors. And so um, we are using the two processor parts that were available and were a right fit for the iMac family at the time. Um, And then the remaining configurations have the latest eighth generation processors. Right, which is still uh, an improvement. Awesome upgrade, six cores across the line for the 27-inch iMac, awesome performance. Over the iMacs that were current as of yesterday. Correct. But you did, you did take these two. So it's in the good, better, best of the 5K, the best is going to be uh, that ninth generation processor. Yes, ninth and, generation, six core. Yep. And then you can configure that i9 if you want the bestest of the best above that. That's absolutely correct. That's pretty cool. Now on the on the um, 4K version, yes. what are you doing there? On the 4K version, um, so again, we have the 1099 configuration that is not being updated tomorrow. Um, the right. updates are today. The updates will be for the 1299 configuration and above, so our Retina 4K models. Right. The 1299 um, has a quad-core processor today. It will continue to have a quad-core eighth-generation processor. And then the 1499 base configuration will have a six-core eighth-generation processor. And the configure-to-order option is also an eighth-generation six-core i7, so now with hyper-threading processor. So I like this because one of the things that always struck me, um, because I do work at an iMac yes. every day, <laughs> yes. is that is a big screen in my face. And I've come it to sure like is. it. I've come to use it. But sometimes I think, do I need 27 inches? And the answer is, well, no, maybe I don't. But I I need the power. And yes. in the end, I bought an iMac Pro. So, of course, that was my decision. But uh, one of the things that I like in seeing what happened to the 21 point, uh, 21.5 inch yep. is it's it, it's got more power. It's got more capability. It, it is not, you know, you, you can you can configure it up to something that is pretty dramatic, in, including a, a Vega uh, GPU. Now. That's right. Yes. Um, so we don't like to say that the 21.5 inches for consumers and the 27 inches for pros. Um, surely many pros use the 27 inch configurations because they want the biggest, uh, most beautiful um, 
largest profile to work and do all of all of their professional editing. Um, but the 21.5 inch iMac also has a lot of pro customers. If you think about it, there are many situations where there are space constraints, um, totally. both here in the US, but also internationally. A lot of times you don't have space constraints in the home or in the business. And so we want to provide those customers the opportunity to take advantage of the new processing power and graphics power too. I want to talk storage with you. Okay. And this is so, okay, so the iMac Pro got the, this redesign yes. where it's SSD only. Mm-hmm. And the. Uh, Mac Mini yes. got a redesign where it's SSD only, mm-hmm. just the flash storage. It's yes. Using that space in both models, actually, for ventilation. That's right. Um, that hasn't happened on the iMac, at least yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still have sort of the spinning disk option and the fusion drive option right. and then the SSD option. Mm-hmm. Is that philosophy about making sure you can balance price with with performance because spinning discs i don't you know they're not great they're slow um they're not reliable ssds are so great but i look at the prices of these imacs and i think well if you kick out spinning discs they're all going to get way more expensive is that really the the story here about why the imac needs to have that cover that spectrum uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll think about it just, just a little bit differently, um, similar to, similarly to what you were just saying. Um, when you think about where you really need um, all-flash storage, um, you really need it in a notebook, right? You want to keep your notebooks as thin and light as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, spinning drive technology is probably not something um, in 2019 that you want to be carting around with you from a mobile perspective. And, you know, from an iMac Pro perspective, here we're talking about serious pros who are running through terabytes of data in their daily workflow. And for them, having all-flash storage is super important. When you think about the iMac line, we want to provide a range of of storage for customers at all different kinds of price points that are affordable to customers. Um, And you can pick based on what your workflow is and what you need. So the great thing about our Fusion Drive technology is it partners a super fast SSD, which for most customers will keep all the applications and things they do on a regular basis, basis there and have that be super snappy performance for them. And it also gives them the capacity of, an, of a hard drive, um, which um, in, for some SSD you know, technologies is not necessarily the, the most affordable option. And so sure. Fusion Drive is giving you the best of both worlds. It's giving you the SSD and it's also allowing you across the iMac line to have a terabyte or more of storage. And up on the 27 inch line, we actually give a two terabyte Fusion Drive as a standard configuration for some of those pros. So. Yeah, and I, I, I'm definitely not trying to get you to say, well, yes, this is uh, this is our decision. I just think it's it's obvious this is the way Apple's going with all the other products, and the iMac can't quite get there yet. I, I would imagine that related to that is the fact that you've updated all these models, and they all keep their price points. They're not they're, they they didn't get a price increase or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The slots, the old slots for the prices of good, better, and best, are the same. That's right. right. They are. Yes. So. That's I I guess that's part of the story too is that ultimately we would all like to spend money on a terabyte flash drive but that I I know what those costs are it, it's going to make it a much more expensive product and and so that's why we have Fusion Drive I suppose um, I love that we were able to provide um, processors with six cores and give really awesome mm-hmm. performance up, performance updates um, at the same price points across the line and then from a storage perspective uh, we really love the fact that we're able to give such a variety of storage for the really really broad range of customers we talked about at the beginning and then they can choose what's right for them so what is the um, most interesting thing about these new iMacs 
that we haven't talked about? What 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 have we not? We've talked about chips a lot. We've talked about where they live in the yes. in, in the family. Is there something That's else right. that that you think people should know about these that we haven't talked about? Yes, um, I think one of the most interesting things is the way that IMAX are a critical part of um, the design of homes, but also businesses, large and small, throughout the world. And the anecdote um, I'll, I'll say there is um, I, I like to travel a lot. Um, I travel a lot for work and also like to travel in my free time um, as a hobby. And um, it's probably because I'm the IMAX product manager, but I notice IMAX everywhere. And so um, within the last year or two, I have been to um, Vietnam and Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, I've been to New Zealand. I've been to many places in Europe. And wherever I go, there are IMAX in storefronts in businesses everywhere. They're in salons and they're in um, real estate agencies and they're in fitness studios. They're in hotels. Um, I saw a few in an airport a few months ago. And it really speaks to the way that customers are proud of putting iMac in their space. Um, If you think about a small business owner who has spent months designing their new space, they've designed the flooring and they've designed the wallpaper or paint and the artwork and the furniture. And then it gets down to picking a desktop that they want at their check-in. A big plastic box, a lot of cables, that'll look great. No, that doesn't fit in with the whole design aesthetic, right? And so they want something they can be really proud of and also helps to elevate that design. And you are seeing that everywhere. So it's not just in the home, it's for businesses of all sizes. Um, And I just, I really love the fact that all customers that use iMac love them and are so proud of them to display them like that. So how do you find interesting ways that people use IMAX? Because you've obviously talked about it here a lot. Different places, we we said it's not, you know, it's always changing what it's for and it's got these niches that it's in now. Um, where do you get your, other than traveling and yeah, seeing them everywhere, do you, right. are you... Are you on like social media looking at people who are, who are saying, check out my iMac and things I like that? I am. I am. I absolutely am. I think someone fed you that question because everyone I work with at Apple knows me as going out to social media all the time and, nice. and looking at my product and seeing what it's doing and then coming back and, and Well, those are the real uses of bang. your product, right? That's absolutely right. So, you know, I think historically um, research of a product has been clearly going into the store and trying to see what customers are asking for. Um, there's quantitative and qualitative research that research companies do trying to ask customers how they're using it. I think today, a really real way to get feedback right away is just to go to social media. Um, So I do this all the time for iMac. I go to Instagram or Twitter. Um, I go to Facebook and I type in hashtag iMac. And I usually only pull posts from the last 48 hours between, you know, when I'm looking 48 hours um, since. And at any given time, Posts come up from all over the world. So Instagram, for example, there was one day where I pulled posts. This was um, about six months ago um, before I was I was doing an internal presentation on the iMac. And I pulled posts down from New Zealand, Australia, Vietnam, um, Moscow, two places in Europe, and the United States. That was all within 48 hours. And I took the text that was said on the Instagram post, and I translated it because I don't speak all of those languages. And... They were all saying the same thing, in a sense. Um, They were saying, hey, look at my newly designed office. Hey, look at my newly designed family room. Hmm. Look, I just bought an iMac. Hey, friends, look at me in the store making this purchase of an iMac that I'm so proud of. Um, There were a couple of um, uh, parents with their kids next to the iMac, you know, hugging the iMac box, and I'm I'm so proud to get my iMac. Um, And to me, it's a really special thing. Um, 
I think if you think in generalities, um, how many people are are posting about a, a desktop and how proud that makes them and how it elevates their space. I think the iMac is very unique in that sense, and it makes me very proud about how much customers love them. Do you do you pass that on? Is that is that um, actionable intel in terms of where you go next with the with the iMac? Seeing how people are using your product is that is that the 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 most important thing to think keep in mind that customer definitely um i think that being in touch with the customer and their needs and what they're doing is one of the most important things um i think product development goes beyond that and i think you know steve certainly had this vision um you don't ask customers what they want you listen to their intrinsic needs what are they saying that they want but what are they not saying that they want what is it they really want to do um maybe things that they don't know that they want to do yet but you kind of undercover that um intrinsic need that they have and then base your product development off of those types of things so i guess um totally understand that 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 it's the faster horse thing right like people didn't say they wanted a car they said they wanted a faster horse yes and so you have to see what their needs are Mm -hmm. um surely you see some of these things and you're surprised like wow that is not like I, i would imagine because people are very clever and they you you make a product and say well here is our product and we think it'll be used this way yeah and i would imagine every now and then you you say to yourself oh I had no idea that people were using that product that way. Yeah, like when you see um, a woman, picture of a woman using one on a train. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> or a couple in coffee shops. Yeah. Those are the ones They're, that. I those mean, are the ones that are technically it's an all-in-one. It's <laughs> kind of portable. Yeah, not the twenty-seven inch, please. No. But that's that's right. Probably. Um, to me, I think uh, one of the more interesting um, um, uses now that um, is popping up is with kids. So um, we all know that students um, are learning to use iPads and Macs at a very young age. They're using them in school. They're using them as part of their classroom assignments, and then they're using them for their homework assignments. And so a lot of kids are coming home, and they want to continue to use iOS and macOS devices because it's what they're used to from school. And so they're using iMacs to do homework. Um, And in a shared family space, the mom and dad can review their homework, monitor their homework. It's very easy for them to use. Um, and then further to that, kids are starting to use pro applications today. They're starting to code and to use applications that go along with coding like Xcode. Um, they're learning the Swift language and they're using through that everyone can co- code curriculum. So you got your Swift playgrounds on your iPad yes. and then you come home and you're like, hmm, maybe I could build an app now. It is. It, I mean, that's absolutely right. Um, kids are coding and they're using Xcode on the Mac. Um, and for iMac in particular, it's a big, beautiful screen that they can use to do not only their keynote and pages homework that they have to complete, um, but then they can use Xcode and they can build an app. Um, and I think that's awesome. So I, I'm not going to ask you the question that everybody wants me to ask you, okay. which, is, which is, you know, about the future, because the future is known to nobody, <laughs> especially Apple people pe- speaking publicly. But I hope that, um, that there, you know, will be more iMac and uh, iMac Pro <clears throat> news <laughs> in the future. But um, this has been a lot of fun. I know that a lot of people out there have been anxiously awaiting you know how it works everybody's yes. excited that a new iMac comes Absolutely. out and then time passes be. on and then everybody's like where's the new yes. iMac again yes and everybody here it wants is it. and here it is so I'm glad that it's finally here yes and uh it looks great and uh I want to thank you for being on the podcast too because I know this is a new thing for you I want to thank you for having me this has been wonderful it's it's been great to talk about this stuff and um and I'm just going to say it again Colleen Novielli is the iMac product manager thank you so much for being here absolutely thank you so much Jason.
This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a meal delivery service that includes everything that you're going to need to cook delicious gourmet meals that you can feel good about. Because Green Chef will send you a wide variety of organic ingredients and imaginative new recipes every single week. Their meal plans include options for paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, carnivore. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal delivery service, and they offer those incredible options to you. So no matter what your diet is, you should be able to find something for yourself over at Green Chef. Each ingredient is thoughtfully sourced, and its journey is tracked from planting to plating. And their recipes include pre-made sauces and dressings and spices, so you can get more flavor in less time. Every ingredient is hand-picked and delivered right to your door. Anyone can be a cook with Green Chef's help, including Jason Snell. <laughs> Hi, Jason Snell. What have you been cooking with Green Chef? Uh, so my Green Chef stuff, I mean, uh, we got the vegetarian box, which is interesting. They have menus for all sorts of different diet types. And uh, although I'm not a vegetarian, we have various food issues in our house that uh, made, made that the best choice for us. And we got some uh, Japanese vegetable fritters. Which oh, were, let me tell you, um, one great way to to do vegetables is to put some like uh, bready stuff on them and fry them. Oh, it was so <laughs> that good. is the Jason Snell approved just vegetable method. Just fry it. Uh, vegetables. <laughs> well, uh, roasting is the right way to do it. But if you mm-hmm. want to have a a special treat, those were really good. And then we also had uh, actually a variation on something that we we make ourselves, which is a uh, sweet potato enchilada, which is really nice. That oh, uh, we do a sweet potato quesadilla and sweet potato as a uh, filling in Mexican stuff is actually pretty great. And that had uh, you know corn and um monterey jack cheese and that was really good too so yeah it's all good stuff i want to make that so yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna be stealing those recipes for 50 dollars off your first box of green chef go to greenchef.us slash upgrade that is greenchef.us slash upgrade for 50 dollars off your first box of green chef our thanks to green chef for their support of this show and relay fm well mike there is our uh there's our first surely the first of many um interviews with uh with uh, somebody who works at apple on the products that we talk about all the time yeah i'm really excited about this i i think you know there are there must be so many wonderful people at apple like colleen who know what they're talking about and have things to say and and i really do hope that this is the start of them doing more and more of this like we have people that want to know about this stuff. Yeah, I think it benefits them because it's so easy. Apple's so huge. It's so easy to think of them as this monolithic entity. And in fact, you know, it is, it's just people who care about their jobs yep. and uh, care about the products they make and use the products. I, uh, the, the truth is I have never met more committed, rabid uh, fans of the Mac than people I know at Apple. That, oh, I that, bet. That is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> nobody cares more about the Mac than the people that work on it, right? Like, that yeah. just makes sense. Yeah, and, and that's the funny thing, is that the world tends to focus on the iPhone and the iPad and maybe the Apple Watch and all of that. But the fact is, um, the iMac is a, a big deal. I, like, it's it's easy to lose, uh, kind of like, lose the plot about, like, the scale of Apple. It's, so, it's such a huge company. But, you know, even with... The desktop only being a fraction of the Mac market, the iMac is, you know, it's probably like billions of dollars of business for Apple to do the iMac. Yeah. It is, it is, That's, again, it's <laughs> like in those analyst calls where they say, this is the size of a Fortune 200 company. This is the size of a, it's like they say that because we've all lost 
complete scale about how Apple operates. And the iMac, like we think of it as like, oh, it's a Mac. It's a desktop Mac. It's like, no, it's super important. As Colleen was saying, it fills all of these different ecological niches, which I think is, if you think about the history of the iMac, it has changed so much from version to version, not just physically, but like who uses it. The definition of what it is it continues to shift, but it's undeniably an important product. And it is very nice that um, at least uh, for occasionally it gets its moment in the sun to shine a little bit. Uh, well, all right, let me, I want to ask you, actually, I want to see what you think about this. Who is the iMac for today? I've been trying to kind of think about like looking at the current Mac lineup, you've got the iMac Pro, right, at the very top end, which is not even going to be at the very top end by the end of this year, right? Because the right. Mac Pro is going to fill that space. So then that's going to bring the iMac, you know, whatever they do with the iMac Pro, we assume it will stay around. I mean, I reckon it will stay around because that was the product Apple actually wanted to make, right? And they were kind of... Mm-hmm persuaded into or forced depending on how you look at it into making the mac pro so the imac pro i reckon is going to stick around and maybe they will adjust the pricing on it we'll see and then you have all of the laptop line which is the most popular of the mac line in general anyway that's what most people buy then you have the mac mini which is kind of really i feel like between the mac mini and the imac pro that space has been squeezed and and i'm not sure who the iMac is for today. So what do you think? Well, I mean, Colleen uh, delineated in our interview and also like outside the interview, there were lots of examples that that she gave to me about different scenarios, right? It's all about like businesses, uh, not just in the back office, but in the front office. She mentioned, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is put a an ugly computer in the middle of your newly redesigned office. So you, you put an iMac there because it's pretty. So it's got, it's got that. And it's got the, the shared home Mac she talked about and and kids using it. And I think that's a scenario that they see. Obviously she is scouring social media, looking for uh, uses of the iMac, uh, uh, including odd, oddball uses of the iMac when it's riding on a train somewhere. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing we talked about, and it's funny because I was going to ask her and she brought it up too, which is the gap, the iMac pro gap. And how the, these new models at the high end, um, it, it actually, it's it's in a strange way, I think it maybe is freeing for the iMac Pro because it's a lot, if, if what you want is a certain level of performance, you can get there without going to the iMac Pro with some of the details of the these new processors. Now, you don't get the cooling system of the iMac Pro, but you can build a pretty dramatically powerful Pro product uh, now on the uh, on the 27 inch iMac and and the fact that the 21 and a half inch iMac now has a six core build to order like this is this is good like uh they are they are this it, it's uh, i think the way i would put it is it's the flexibility mac in some ways now it comes with a monitor like the mac mini is super flexible but the iMac is kind of in a similar boat the the role of a desktop system these days is to be versatile and fill a lot of little niches because we don't live in an era where everybody has to have their own desktop computer that we don't that's that's a different thing and i think it's really telling what she said she used the word ecosystem and if you didn't catch that like that's a person who's in charge of the imac saying the imac 
fills a role in a larger ecosystem. It used to be like the computer, but now it's part of a larger picture. It's it's a, a device you use in certain contexts, and I think that's really interesting. Are you surprised they didn't do anything to the iMac Pro along with these iMac bumps? Like, you know, it, considering how close now in, in processor and in graphics the iMac is at the top end is getting to the iMac Pro. To be fair, to the bottom end of the iMac Pro, I right? Say, so yeah, to the bottom. I, I, I think that's part of the thing here is that it, it when I say it frees the iMac Pro, it's like, because the iMac Pro starts at 5,000, but it goes, you know, way higher than that. I, I feel like they, you know, Apple has shown in the last few years that they don't want to turn over every product, um, every time right like all at once yeah. like the macs get turned over in, in in pieces and i would imagine there will be a mac an imac pro update at some point maybe it will even come along with the mac pro maybe not it probably has something to do with whatever uh intel xeon processor generation they're waiting for but um i do think they will do it because like you said it's kind of the original vision of the future of the mac and as an iMac Pro user, and I know Steven feels this way too, like it has some very specific advantages. The cooling thing is a huge thing. Touch on that a little bit more, actually, because that's important when you're thinking about especially some of the power you can put inside of the regular iMac now. Like why is like yeah. the fan and why that's important? Yeah, because if you're a pro user and you are, um, you've built to order the most awesome iMac ever, um, you know, it's going to heat up and those fans are going to blow. And it's got the iMac ventilation system, which is kind of loud. And in some jobs, it doesn't matter. If you're a podcaster like us, if you're doing audio or something like that, it can be really annoying to have the loud fans. And the iMac Pro doesn't do that. And, you know, that is, it's designed to, for a thermal envelope that's like way up above where the base model and even the first couple of models will will touch on it. And so, like Steven's example is, he bought a regular iMac and the fans blew too much. And um, so he he got rid of it and replaced it with an iMac Pro because it's got that newer cooling system. And I I still suspect that the iMac is going to that approach. But as Colleen pointed out, you know, we were talking about it. I, I said good, better, and best for iMacs, and 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 they you know they don't like Apple doesn't like to talk about good, better, best, but because they're all good, they're all best. But uh, but th- there is this uh, truth in that that these are. Um, these are computers that are flexible, but at the high end, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be pushing it to their limits. And that, that's just a, that's this part of it depends on what you want to do with it. It's great that it's so powerful, but um, there's still a, a role, I guess I would say for the iMac pro um, even now, yeah. because it, it, it has characteristics that go beyond what the iMac can have, but it's still great. Like not everybody needs that. And and that's, that's uh, what she pointed out. Like, not everybody really needs an iMac Pro. It's a $5,000 computer. It's a workstation. It, 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 it's not. There are a lot of people who are doing pro-level tasks, and the iMac has plenty of power uh, oh. to provide now that it's been updated. So, like, this iMac today has thrown a wrinkle in my personal plans because mm. I never felt the requirement for an iMac Pro. Uh, it, it's way more than I need from a machine. Um but I was thinking that, you know, um, maybe I would get one uh, if the Mac Pro isn't what I wanted. So, like, I'm thinking about, like, my next computer. I'm running a 2015 5K iMac still um, for my main production machine. And I was thinking, you know, I, do an update probably within the next year or two um, just to try and keep keep things at a, a, a relatively cutting edge, you know. 
And I was thinking, oh, I'll wait for the Mac Pro and see what that's all about because I do like the idea of maybe buying this Mac Pro and then just making component updates to it over the next 10 or 15 years, right? Like going the real Syracuse approach, assuming that that is a possibility, right? We we still don't have any real idea what modular means for Apple when it comes to the Mac Pro. But I thought if the Mac Pro was too expensive or not what I wanted, then my next machine would be an iMac Pro. But now, looking at the specs in these machines, I don't think I need to go to that level. I think I could make a relatively, like, spec out a relatively top-of-the-line iMac and get way more than I need, considering I don't feel like I'm pushing my 2015 iMac. Right. So Yeah, yeah I, think, I think there's some validity there, and I think that is part of what Apple is trying to do is is uh you know the iMac has a tough job it really does the fact that they haven't touched that bottom of the of the line model i mean it's there so that they can have a cheap non retina iMac it's the same reason the MacBook Air is still there is that yeah. there's a price point that they that they want to hit and they want to have a Mac available there and this is this is what it's going to be yep but the fact that it goes from there um all the way up you know you've got all those 6 core processors then you can you can build to order above that and the and with the vega graphics like it will take you um almost as far as you want to go and then you need to get an imac pro so it it depends on the on the deal like it depending on how you push it it may blow those fans and you may not like that um but uh, i don't know the characteristics of these intel processors they may also um be better thermally because they're newer a newer generation or they may run hotter because they are that much faster um and that it's all down to kind of the thermal regulation that Apple builds in and I didn't get a chance to you know to walk away with a 27-inch iMac <laughs> that that didn't that didn't happen I realize now like I probably have a bit of a soft spot for the iMac as I have been using one for 13 years yeah see yeah, this this goes back to the fact that it is kind of the unsung hero that it's 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 a Mac, which is a tiny part of Apple's overall product line and not one of the ones that is generally spotlighted. And then even within that, it's a desktop Mac. So that's even less interesting. Yep. But uh and yet it is super important. And a lot of us, I mean, I am also an iMac user. That is what I sit in front of every day. For all my talk about the iPad Pro lifestyle, and we do have iPads to talk about too, but like, but it, it, the computing device I use the most is probably still my iMac because in, I am in sitting in front of it every day. of time, that's the same for me too on a daily basis because yeah. the most time-intensive things that I do are recording and editing podcasts and Every time I'm recording and editing, I'm sitting in front of my 2015 5K Retina iMac. Exactly. Um, and and have been since I bought it in 2015, late 2015 or whenever it was. But before that, the machine that I was sitting in front of was a previous iMac. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, sure. I've been using these for, like you, for, for since, pretty much since I started uh, podcasting in general. Um, there was a gap where I was using a Mac Mini, but... Uh, you know, I've been using iMacs with just like a couple of year gap for that since the first uh, Intel iMac, which was my first Mac. So, yep. So, yeah. Well, I'm pleased we spent some time looking at the iMac today, but that wasn't all there was. No, it was no. all we want to talk about. So I want to also just extend a thanks to, to Colleen um, and Apple for, for giving us uh, that time today. Um, for sure. That's really, really wonderful of them to do. Uh, so thanks for that. But well, I want to talk about two new iPads 
kind Ooh. of. We have a new yeah. iPad Air iPad Air brings its reintroduction back into the product line. Uh, there wasn't an iPad Air before yesterday. <laughs> In the category of Apple products named Air that we didn't think we'd ever see again. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was. It took me about half an hour to realize the name. Yeah, right. After it was announced, like it didn't sink in to me for a while that like there wasn't an iPad Air and or that this thing was even called the iPad Air. Um, and it's important that distinction is important we'll get to it in a minute but there's also a new ipad mini so mm-hmm. this i think the big big news for me is that apple pencil support is on both of these products um yeah. i'm super super surprised to see that the apple pencil is now supported on the mini but i'm also really pleased to see that too it's it's supported on all ipads now the, 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 it's yes. the first generation and Apple Pencil is supported on on all iPads now, and, right? right. First, yeah. So first generation Apple Pencil is on the iPad Mini, the sixth generation iPad, and the iPad Air, mm-hmm. and then the uh, two iPad Pros have the second generation Pencil. Yep. Also, um, yeah, very interesting that uh, Apple is bringing the you know Logitech crayon into the fold too, because yep. they'll all work with that too. Which is excellent. Um, yeah. This iPad Air, so the iP- new iPad Air, has a 10.5-inch screen mm-hmm. and is replacing the Pro in the lineup. So the 10.5-inch iPad Pro is gone, but that was actually more expensive, right? Yeah, it was a weird outlier, and it was more expensive. So they've got it in a, in a cheaper price. This is the classic sort of like... 499. It's a... It's a classic uh, sh- size, but a little bit, a uh, little bit larger. It's going to be larger than the standard iPad and more expensive, um, with a better processor. It's got the uh, A12 Bionic. Yeah, so it's the A12, which is in the in the iPhone XS. So it's not, it doesn't have the the fancier uh, iPad Pro one, but it's it's a modern processor. So you can get an iPad Mini and an iPad Air with a modern Apple processor. And uh, the screen, it's that nice screen. Yeah. It doesn't do ProMotion, but that's about, I think, the only thing that's really knocking it back down off of the... Because remember that that uh, 10.5 iPad Pro was the previous generation. It wasn't the styling of the new ones. It was just a holdover, basically a holdover until they had the iPad Air ready to go. Yeah. The the other thing uh, is they bu- they bumped the maximum storage down. So this this tops out at 256. The previous iPad Pro uh, went up to five twelve. Right, because so. again, not not Pro cut the price, and yes, of course, there's the issue where there's the base price, and then there's a a you can you can load it up with cellular because it's got the modern fast cellular in it yep. too, and storage, and then with with a gigantic um, price if you want it. But uh, <laughs> Jason, I priced up uh, an iPad Mini today. Just wanted to see. So I, if I was going to get one, I would probably want to go with cellular the maximum storage which is 256 with if let's just imagine and i would get a pencil and then a smart cover and it was 900 pounds i was like "Mm, (laughs) you can go there you really can go there if you want to um but we'll come back to the ipad mini in a minute but i just found that funny it's like oh you can still get an ipad mini up to nearly a thousand if you really want to go for it um I mentioned that I was super surprised to see that the iPad mini had Apple Pencil support. I was way more surprised to see that the iPad Air has a smart keyboard. Yeah, so they 
um, seem to have not changed the dimensions of either model, which mm-hmm. means they have maintained compatibility. So the iPad mini fifth generation um, now is, uh, can use iPad mini four stuff. Yep. And the 10.5 iPad pro stuff should work fine because they're literally using the iPad Pro smart keyboard for the 10.5 yep. on the iPad Air. It is the exact same. It's the older smart connector thing. It will use those keyboards. Um, I had a thought of like, guys, we made a lot of these keyboards. We need to <laughs> like... Well, no, you say that. No one's happier than Bridge. Remember when you and I were like, why is Bridge making a 10.5 iPad keyboard? And... um that looks like a better decision now because I think it'll work just fine with the iPad Air um, because it's I, I believe they're they are literally the same size and shape because um, all the accessories are compatible with both. So that's that's good. I, I say thumbs up to Apple for that because the how many times have we had a product be slightly different and break compatibility with everything? But it seems based on the tech specs and everything like these are not going to be that. No, which is. I mean, that's brilliant, right? Um, I want to read a quote from the uh, press release because I just find it to be okay. interesting. Um, that th- This lineup is offering the best, most innovative iPad lineup ever, whether customers prioritize portability, screen size, power, or price. There's an iPad for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, y- that is definitely what you can see happening, but I find it interesting at the same time that Apple is now kind of, at this point, willingly introducing more points into the iPad lineup, where I think previously it's felt like, oh, the iPad lineup has just gotten messy. But now it's like, well, what what they've done now is they've clarified the Pro stuff a little bit more by removing the 10.5, which was clearly around just to to kind of fill out a price point for a while, and reintroduced the old product line. They've actually made it mirror the laptops more than they did uh, previously. So it's back to kind of mirroring the laptops again. You've Mm -hmm. got iPad, MacBook, iPad Air, uh, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, iPad Pro, like it's fully mirroring that lineup again. And I am wondering if this is for a reason. Like iOS 13 is just around the corner. We're all hoping for significant iPad changes. I'm wondering if one, the power that they're putting into all of this line and also the variation of price point and entry level in the line is gonna is saying another signal to what iOS is gonna look like in the fall. Yeah, it's possible. I I think we we have talked on this show about how parts of Apple's product line are a little bit more in disarray. They seem to be headed somewhere, but it's still kind of a mess. And when the MacBook Air was announced, we thought that would bring clarity, and then we got it, and it did not bring clarity. And then con- contrast that to the iPad, which really they have gotten their uh, entire product line together where um, they've got uh, five relatively new products at these different price points. Uh, it's all They all offer something different so that you can choose. They've got um, the iPad mini. I think it's interesting to view it this way. The iPad mini is no longer um, a product for... It used to be a product that was the cheapest product and the smallest product. And there was always that argument of like, well, what's it for? And the iPad is the cheapest iPad now. Like the iPad is for cheap. The iPad mini is for small. 
and it costs a little bit more than the iPad. And I think that's good too, because it's saying like, if you want this and clearly people do that, you know, then you can get it. So, um, I, I love it because it is Apple, um, I think maybe saying something about the maturity of the iPad as a product line and also the fact that they need to be more flexible in what they offer. And now they've got five different spots you can land in terms of screen size and features and price for the iPad. And it is uh, such a dramatic change from a few years ago when the iPad was also kind of a mess. They really like differentiating from pro and not was their big step because it allowed them to sell a cheaper iPad and also the cutting edge iPad. And now they've got even beyond that where, where they're like below the pro we've even got options for you. Yeah. And you know, I think this is, I think this is a reaction to what we talked about because it takes a long time for them to turn this stuff. We talked about a few years ago when the, when the iPad sales were going down of like, you know, what is, what can Apple do to make the iPad um, rebound and more affordable iPad was one. They brought the pencil down to all of these and now they've got more options out there and it took a little time, but they did get their house in order. They're going to straight up sell a lot of those minis to people that will wait. They are. And, and there are good ecological niches for the mini too, including kids, mm-hmm. but not limited to kids. There's a whole bunch of places that people want small iPads and it'll fill that, which I've is been great. thinking about it for myself. Like I w- actually want to go and try it out. I want to see what it's like to use an iPad mini with an Apple Pencil, because I think that that could be a really interesting device, f- even for someone like me. Yeah. Sketches and notes. This is, this is the thing we talked about about imagining the um, 10s max, uh, with a pencil, pencil. yeah. This is sort of the flip side of that, which is, well, no, the iPhone with a pencil, maybe not, but an iPad Mini with a pencil. Now you've got a Notepad sketchbook thingy. I also want to see how they look next to each other, because the pencil and the iPad Mini, because I think that could, could look kind of funny. Like I <laughs> just put the pencil next to a it's Mini, a very like large what's going to happen there? Pencil. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they could have maybe shrunk down a bit. So I think the last thing I wanted to talk about in this is this, uh, the idea of the, the previous thinking and the current thinking around the differentiation between iPad Pro and non-Pro iPad. And it's interesting to me to see the keyboard and the pencil come down because it's like, all right, we've kind of established, I mean, we'd established already, you know, the iPad 6th generation had a pencil, but now there's a keyboard, a smart keyboard in the in the non-pro lineup. And it reminds me again of the laptops where, you know, the MacBook Pros get all the new whiz-bang fancy features, but eventually like the yep. uh, unibody aluminum design will find its way down and the keyboard will find its way down for, for its sins and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, it's interesting to me to see where we are with the Pro now and the non-Pro iPads. And you see, right, okay, design is clearly one of them. Thinness and lightness and thickness mm-hmm. is another is an, is another stuff. Uh, the inductive charging of the pencil is another part of it. The four speakers is another part of it. Like yep. these are ProMotion and, and Pro displays, which is the uh, 120 uh, refresh rate display. Um, so it's like the super speedy, snappy display is another one. Face ID is now another one. Exactly. So like, okay, so now looking at where we are with the iPad Pro, all right, we'll imagine in a few years, some of those features are going to start finding their way down the product line. Mm-hmm. Face ID will probably be the big first one because Apple, I'm sure, would love to move that out as as fast as they possibly can. Well, basically the the iPad Pro... You could also compare it. I know you compared it to the MacBook Pro. You could also compare it to the iPhone 10, right? It's the product line for cutting edge tech. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. it will always be defined by these things. Because the iPad Pro was originally defined as smart keyboard and pencil. And that's n- neither of those things are true anymore. But iPad Pro still has things that differentiate it. They've just changed. Yeah. And, but I, I agree with that. But I think that like those, the iPhone and the iPad Pro are inherently positioned for different types of users, right? Like the, the most fancy iPhone is for everyone, but the iPad Pro, in theory, or at least is positioned as, all right, so you want a work device, huh? Right, yeah, like sure. that's where it starts. Sure. In, in that, it's like the MacBook Pro. You're right. I, yeah. I just think that it's interesting that what Apple is doing in Face ID is a great example. It's yeah. like cutting-edge tech goes in the most expensive product. And, yes. and they, like Apple proudly announced this week on Monday, they proudly announced two new iPads with a home button and bigger bezels Very and Touch true. ID. And it's okay because, you know, that's the that's okay. It is a it is a cheaper product. You're not paying for that stuff. Maybe you don't like it, but you don't you don't have to pay for it. If you want a, an iPad like this, you can get one, and you don't have to pay eight or nine hundred dollars to get it. All right, I want to bridge between where these topics are and the draft by okay. asking you about this. What do you think it says about Apple's focus on their services narrative for next week? That they are just a week away from a press event but they're releasing new products it is the report with mark german that's like no hardware at the event right like this is the point i think that was paxowski who said that first oh okay yeah yeah. well it's good it's like no hardware at the event it's like apple doesn't want first off as i think um given the depths of complicated complicated things we've added to the draft process this year that will be revealed shortly um I think there's a lot already on the table for this mm-hmm. services event and services. I mean, it's a little bit like what I said about the iMac. It's like, this is designed to spotlight the services. It's not designed to spotlight WYSI new hardware. First off, this is not the, you know, this is a, a refresh to these models. It's not like a completely new thing you've never seen before. But more than that, it's like Apple doesn't need an event to launch new hardware. They've proven that this week again. And they want it off the table because they know that some people are going to focus on the new hardware and not pay attention to the services narrative, which is really what they what they want to sell, is they want to tell their services story. And this is off topic for that. And it would be a little bit weird if, like, NBC came out to unveil their new fall lineup and they said, but, but first, let me tell you about this great uh, new cable box that Comcast is going to offer. Like... <laughs> Um, no, probably not the right uh, way to approach it. So I think, you know, they're clearing the decks. They've done this in the past, too. It's always fascinating when you get those announcements a week before an event, because that is the we're throwing these things off stage, or maybe they were never going to be on stage. In this case, I think that's probably true. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's too much. They're, they've got a full program of what they want to reveal next Monday. And um, a new iPad mini and faster IMAX was not on the list for next Monday. And that's nothing saying nothing bad about them. It's just not what they're trying to do next week. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Luna Display. If you have a Mac and an iPad, you want to listen to this because our friends at Luna Display are saving so much money and improving our workflows by giving you the ability to have an extra screen for your Mac with the devices that you already 
own. Luna Displaylets will let you use your iPad as a wireless display for your Macintosh. Just by plugging in a tiny little dongle, I'm wearing my Dongle Town t-shirt right now, and it makes me think of my lovely red Luna Display dongle. You can connect over Wi-Fi or USB, and without any hassle, more screen real estate is available to you. So if you're at home and using Wi-Fi, if you're traveling and using USB, maybe you don't have a Wi-Fi connection, you can still have multiple screens just by being able to link your two devices together. You don't have to spend the money on an extra screen. And then you have something that's maybe even a little bit more flexible. You know, you can move it around more easily if you want it in front of you, to the side of you. You can put it on a little stand or something, which is super awesome. I use my Luna Display all of the time, uh, but I use it to use my Mac Mini. My Mac Mini is headless, and I use my Luna Display to be able to access it. And very, very frequently, I'm finding myself, if I have a frustration on iOS, I just open Luna Display because Luna Display exists as an app on a Mac app for me, right? Basically, I have an app which has a Mac inside it, which lives on my iPad, which honestly feels like the future dream that I've wished for <laughs> for a while. And Luna Display lets me do that. Believe me when I say you're going to be happy with a Luna Display. So go to lunadisplay.com and use the pro- promo code UPGRADE at checkout for 10% off. That is L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com and promo code UPGRADE at checkout. It's really awesome. I think you're going to love this thing. It's smart and handy and it's going to save you money on extra screens and give you that flexibility you've been looking for. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Jason Snell, there has been much excitement today. But there Uh is still much more excitement to come. And it starts Mm -hmm. with, as all events do, the Upgrade Draft. Welcome to the draft, everybody. So this is, because we've got a kind of a peculiar event coming up uh, next week, we're going to be doing some experiments with today's draft. Uh, And so we're going to be doing a bunch of different types of rounds. So we have four regular rounds, which you're used to. So we make a bunch of picks about what we think is going to happen. But we're actually going to start with two Pick'em naming rounds. You'll see what I mean in a minute. We're going to have two special rounds for this draft with three picks each, which is a celebrity appearance round and a trailer Mm -hmm. round. And we're also going to finish off with a tiebreaker question, which is something we've been talking about for a while that we would try and do. And considering we're in a new year, we're going to be implementing some changes to the upgrade draft to help us out in some certain situations. And it will include the tiebreaker question. So, Mike, Now, Mike, I got some scoring questions for you here. Are the individual picks in the special rounds each worth one point? Or is the special round as a whole worth one point based on who mm. uh, picks the most? Mm. Interesting. I was thinking just each one, each pick is still worth I one point. I was thinking that not too. degraded I, in that way. Yeah, I think we still go with each. Each answer is worth a, is worth a point. Especially because we're having some less regular picks this time. Because we... We are assuming that the it will be a pretty focused event, right? And uh, I reckon probably, right. and we'll get to this, difficult to try and guess. This is maybe yeah. a little bit more difficult than normal to try and guess what Apple's going to be doing. Um, so- All right. So, so for this event next uh, next uh, Monday, we're going to do um, twelve. Basically, it's twelve total points available mm-hmm. plus the tiebreaker, which only counts. If we get tied. tied. (laughs) So the regular draft rules do still apply, though. The winner of the previous draft gets first pick, and that was me. Uh, For Mm -hmm. an item to count, it must be either clearly announced on stage or on a slide during the presentation. 
Um, we no longer need adjudication because of a tiebreaker, but if we do feel, in theory, but if there is still some requirement for adjudication yeah, of we, a point. If we disagree on a mm-hmm. scoring decision, if you and I can't, we, we have a gentleman's agreement. We have been very good about giving each other yep. points, but it, should something come down to a crucial moment about who wins, um, we will, Stephen Hackett we will pass will to Stephen Hackett. Yeah. Uh, no half points awarded, four points only. No <laughs> points point. awarded for anything previously announced. And the points awarded on the episode are final. Right. So we can't pick, for example, we can't pick anything we already talked about in this episode because mm-hmm. that was already announced. Exactly. So none of that will count. Yes. Shall we move into our first rounds? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And this is the, um, I introduced this as we were planning this episode. I introduced this concept because I realized sometimes um, on our on our drafts, we are essentially picking two sides of the same coin. And I thought it might be better uh, in certain circumstances to just have, rather than have a sort of like combine that with an obvious this or that with um, other draft strategy about what goes first and what goes second, we just break them out. And so we have two pick them rounds for this draft. Um, the first of which is what's it going to be called? So if I, I want to make sure that I'm following here, so I'm giving the rules for the upgradians, what I pick, you can't say it too, right? Yeah, it's true. You get, you get to go first, which seems really unfair that you get to go first for each of these. I think, hmm, that's, that's, that's the quite rules. an advantage. Them's yeah. the rules. Yeah. That's, that's what you win for winning no, a draft. On, on the pick em round, you, it's fine. <laughs> We're not going to do a snake, a snake draft. It's not going to happen. Go ahead. Well, I would say, so, so the two pickums that we have is what is the video streaming service going to be called and what are the services bundle going to be called if there's yeah. going to be one for both of them. Um, I don't think it is as clear cut as you might assume for, for either of these, to be honest. I mean, the, the services bundle is a bit more tricky, but I really went back and forth on what I would think about for the name of the video streaming service because... There are, I think, two obvious answers, um, mm-hmm. which are TV and video. So Apple TV, Apple Video. And so I really went back and forth on this because Apple TV makes sense because they have a product and it kind of helps bundle it all up into one. But the more I started thinking about this, because of the fact that Apple is working with so many other companies and we reckon we'll work with more, and that may come up during the picks today, I'm starting to think they won't call it Apple TV because the Apple TV still exists. So I'm going to go with following Apple Music, Apple Video. All right. I think I think you have uh, definitely talked about some of the ways that Apple TV is a bad idea. Um, we have talked on the show about how Apple has made deals with movie distributors. They've bought movies at Sundance. Um so they're going to be like with Netflix. There's going to be movies on this service. Yes, yeah, not just TV. It's not just TV, although it will be on, and it's not just on your TV uh, device. It's on devices. Although there is a TV app, which I think I think there's a case for and a case against Apple yep. TV as the name. Um, you know, Netflix kind of implies movies, even though it's primarily a TV service now. The flicks, you know, kind of idea. Uh, so I I have been talking up 
the name Apple TV as the service because it's the simplest. And yes, it's already a product, but it's also that app. And I think that app is going to be the cornerstone of it. And I see no reason to stop now. So I will pick Apple TV, even though I think you're right. There are lots of reasons why it wouldn't be the name. And I think it's not... I think it it would require some kind of vision and um, maybe not courage, but uh, boldness on their part mm. to just say, no, we're going to, we don't care about the confusion and the fact that our hardware is also called that. That's the right name. Everything is Apple TV <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. So Apple TV for me. And uh, we get, one of us will get a point unless they name it something else, in which case <laughs> we will both be sad. The field gets a point at that point. Uh, yes. Stephen Hackett gets a point then. So what would the services bundle be called? Now this one this one is just wide open, right? It is. If it if it if the service bundles even exist, yep. and if it even has a name. <laughs> I tried to think about this, Jason. I'm like, all right, what what could they call it? It could be like I was thinking like premium, but that sounds too close to prime. So I was going through and I was like, okay, so what is a, what is a bundle, right? A bundle is is a single payment. It's a single thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Apple One. Well, uh, you said it was wide open, and yet that is you totally sniped what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just call it Apple Two. I don't know. We're all like, oh, you could, Apple Two oh, Plus, Apple Jason, Two E. I would give you Apple Roman numeral One. Oh my, that's not. I don't want it. You can't give it to me. I don't want it. I don't want your Apple. Just calls it Apple I, which would just be like beautiful. Like, is it one? Is it I? I don't even know. Right? Maybe it's just the Roman numeral one, and then the Apple logo. That's what they do. Oh my god. Yeah, you're in a bind now, huh? I I am. That was the best one I I I have come up with because I don't really know a name for this either. That's why I called it Apple Prime a lot, just because it was like Amazon Prime. But I didn't think that they were actually going to call it that. I mean, it depends kind of what they're going for. If you wanted to be a bit playful, you could do something like all access or something like that, right? Like you, mm. I d- but I don't know. I feel like that their branding is more likely to be just the two word dealio, and then that's that. So you got to pick something. Yeah, Apple, you got to pick something. So have you, Jason? That's the <laughs> yeah, boy. And I don't want it to reflect some other. Um... Although there's there is a one service out there too, isn't it? I'm sure that there are because it's not like an incredibly clever name. But the, I think the point is that they're just not going to be going after like Amazon, right? Like that's just the one that they can't butt up against. I think everybody else is probably fair game for them. Uh, okay, I am going to choose um, the All Apple Pass. Okay. <laughs> Which is a terrible name, yep. but I don't want to say all access because that's okay. CBS. Okay. So, ah, yes. All Apple Pass. All Apple Pass. <laughs> and I'll, I'll take Pass if it's Apple Pass. I'll take that too, but it won't be because it's uh, going to be Apple One. Uh, I mean, if I <laughs> yeah, okay. If it is called Apple Pass, you can have the point. Um, Thank you, because that will be close enough. I think. Yep, but it won't be. <laughs> so congratulations on winning the draft, Mike. <laughs> I will say I'm feeling pretty good about my first yeah. two. I know that like Apple TV sort of makes sense to you. You know what I was thinking, Jason, when you were talking about Apple TV? Like, do you, do you do you, can you see a possibility of a separate app for the video service that ties into TV? Well, I think that's one of the items on our list for okay. drafting purposes. Okay. Uh, I think it's an interesting question. I think where these things, the, we made lots of assumptions, but not all those assumptions will probably be accurate right like apple yep. has this 
habit of surprising you. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to reexamine all of those things. Like I feel very strongly that the TV app is the logical place. They have been trying to make the TV app happen for several years now. And I think this is part of that. This is feeding into that strategy. But could they totally throw it away and be like, nah, it's not the TV app. It's its own app. They could. Uh, they could. So that that's uh, all to play for and all to be drafted. Yes, it's quite literally all to play for as we go into pick number one. Mm. Now, as we always say, I put together, we put together uh, a list of things that we can pick from for our draft. And I've, and then I take that list and I kind of rank it. And uh, I'm even struggling. I'm really struggling. I really struggled with this event um, to try and think what is the most likely stuff to occur. I think I'm going to, I think this first pick for me seems seems pretty obvious considering what we just spoke about. But like, I'm going to pick the existence of a services bundle. So there being oh, okay. a services bundle unveiled, there is a likelihood that Apple will be a strong likelihood that Apple will be talking about at least two, maybe three services that will all be paid for at this event. I would be really surprised if they didn't offer some way of paying for all of it, including Apple Music and maybe some other stuff, to in one payment, because it's just a bad user experience to have like four or five multiple charges. And it's also uh, fiscally irresponsible for Apple to to kind of like be making multiple charges to somebody, right? Like you want to make one charge because then your credit card fees are less and all that kind of stuff. Um, a services bundle, which bundles up the new services or some old services, maybe sprinkle some other things in, I think will be part of uh, what Apple talks about next week. I think that is uh, smart. I agree with you. Assuming that this event is going to launch a video service and that new service and potentially a video game service, that's a lot of services, right? To go with the ones they've already got, which is why we put the services bundle in the pick round. Because although there's been no, I think, definitive reporting on that one, it's hard to imagine that Apple is going to say, this will be, I mean, they may present it as this will be $9.99 and this will be $4.99 and this will be $6.99 and then have that slide at the end that's like, aha, but now how much would you pay? But now we're going to make it available for the low, low price of whatever yeah and it's called all apple pass <laughs> which is not what it's called yeah and i ge- genuinely think that they will be selling them all individually if you want to like if you don't want it and you know it'll be a little maybe a little bit cheaper for you if you just want video and you don't want news and gaming and blah 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 and blah 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 um but being able to bundle it all together will also mean that more people are more likely to use all of the services you want people to be using, right? If you're just like, well, you want video and you want music, well, now you can also get news as well. Like, that's free now for you, right? right. So that that's kind of the incentive. Um, so yeah, services bundle. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm going to go uh, with one of the other services we talked about and just say... Um, not just that the news service, the news thing is going to happen, because I think we kind of assume that it will. But a little more specifically, I want to say that there's going to be that that iOS update that they've been beta testing that it will launch with and that they will promise that it will launch soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not sure I want to say like this week or next or this month, because the, we're almost at the uh, end of the month by the time this event happens. But um, I, I want to say that soon in the next few weeks. Yep. 
with that iOS update, the new subscription service will launch as a part of that and, and put my stake in the ground for that one. So I want to make some clarifications here because next few yes. weeks is a bit that's difficult for like the draft. Well, I, I want them to say a date. I want to say that it will it, a soonish date for it, that they're yeah. not going to say right. it launches this summer, that there's an OS. We know there's an iOS update ready to go very soon. It's in beta right now. Um, and I'm kind of tying it to that, that there's going to be a, a, the next iOS software update is going to get released and it's going to enable this feature and it's going to come soon and that they'll promise a soonish date that basically if this is the new service is coming in iOS 13 this fall, I lose it. Should we say by the end of April? Uh, sure. Like the, the date that they announce is by, the, is yeah, they, the they may not say the words by the end of April, but something in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if they say within the next couple of weeks, that's the end of April. If they give a date, yep. right? Like, that, so just so, just so we have a stake in the ground. Right. They may say it launches in April. In fact, yep. and that might that might be the way to do it. Depends yep. on how confident they're feeling about their service and about iOS twelve point two. I mean, I don't think we spoke about this, but like, they even updated the Apple News app with a new logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in twelve point two. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. it's definitely going to be in twelve two, and twelve two has been in beta for a while. Unless they've had a hang up with their uh, deals and they feel like it's not ready, in which case they could which not even possible. announce it if they wanted to. So, I feel like it's ooh, enough of a question, but it's still my first pick. So, maybe yeah, I guess we should stuff. say like there was a Mark Gurman report about a bunch of stuff, and it even seems like reminiscent of like Apple Music. They're still struggling to get some deals done, like they're yeah. going up to the last minute. Uh, with yeah, this stuff, I think they've but... got the texture deals in place, right? I think that 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 is so they're going to have magazine content and all yeah. of that. But I think they are trying to close deals with, you know, news sources because mm-hmm. they want the news stuff too. But with video too, though, right? Like they were, they were. Yeah. This, the, the report was saying that they were like at the wire with getting some of the video stuff needed that they need. Um, but right. I also kind of expect, though, Jason, that at this level, at this high level. It's probably always like this, right? That, probably. That you're going right up to the very, very end before you end up getting something completely nailed down. That would make sense to me that it kind of is always that way. And that's why I won't launch on the day either. And Apple, one, part of the carrot for Apple is making these deals and saying, we'll put you on a slide. We'll talk to, about you in our event. That kind of thing is, is part of the, the, the inducement to the deals is we're, we're doing this event. Do you want to be on stage you know we won't we, you know not your we'll put your logo on stage or we'll put a screenshot on stage yeah. or something like that or they're like well no we want an executive on stage and it's like well we're not going to let you do that right and they have to just keep going backwards and forwards until they get to the end point which i expect happens very frequently that that's how i assume most of this stuff tends to go yeah. all right so pick number two kind of leading from that point um i'm gonna say that apple will have content that they did not make available for subscribers to this new service Oh, interesting. So here's my thinking on this. They're having the event now. And their TV shows, I can't imagine many, if any, are ready. I think they're going to have something. You will get some This is the catalog. You think there's going to be catalog content. I've changed my mind on this one. Like at first I, I thought, no, no, they're not going to do that. But I think they're going to have some stuff and it may even be like, oh, we're going to offer like a limited selection from HBO. And if you want more, sign up for HBO in Apple video, mm. right? Like, and then they do that kind of Amazon prime channels model, which is again, I'm not picking that right now. We maybe pick that later. Right, but like that, that's a good example where there is some older HBO content on Amazon Prime. Exactly. Prime Video. Yeah. So, so yeah. like you can buy this stuff and if you like this stuff, you can get more of it. But I think that they will have a very thin service when they launch. And I also think that this is 
the video stuff is probably the service I reckon will launch before a lot of Apple's content is ready. And what are you going to pay for? Like, what are you paying for? So I've come around to thinking that there will be, there will be some additional content uh, that Apple is going to be licensing. And this isn't the idea of like, oh, we're paying Sony to buy this TV show and it's made for us. This is like stuff you already know about, stuff that's existed in the world before that Apple will have available to subscribers of Apple Video. I, um, that's, I, it's risky. I think I, I see, again, this is the beauty of draft picks. I see your argument. I think it's possible. It's not, I, I, it's, it's, there's this weird middle ground where I don't think they're going to be a big catalog service where the, the, I don't think it's it going to be big, but I think you've got to, you know, if you get like, hey, we've got Sopranos and we've got Game of Thrones and we've got something else, you know, obviously right. not those shows, right? But like, you get my point, like they, they'll get some stuff. So they have something. Yeah. So they have something, something that is not. And and just to be clear here, we're not talking about the, um, the channels idea where they're going to offer subscriptions to other oh. video services within the new app like amazon's prime channels we're talking about that they will make stuff available for free yep. if you're a video person an apple video subscriber yep. or a all apple pass subscriber all apple pass yeah mm-hmm. it is the idea of the potential that they may uh do kind of prime channel stuff which is why it makes me think they might have some free stuff right it's like a yeah, lead it could be and that, that could in fact be part of their deal right mm-hmm. is is hey showtime we're going to resell Showtime inside here, but we want to make uh, some of your older content available. Yep. Or, hey, CBS All Access, um, can you give us the first season of Star Trek Discovery and The Good Fight? And and we'll put those on our service and maybe cut you in a little bit. But we'll also, we'll be selling hard your service on top yep. of that. And like, if they could cut some deals with that, that, that would we'll be... We'll give you season one of Star Trek, but there is yeah, more. Right. And if you want that, the way you get that is doing this. Right, and season one of Star Trek Discovery is a good example of something that is not available in the U.S. on any other streaming service. Outside of the U.S. is a different story. But inside the U.S., that would be... Something like that would be a coup. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, there's some, there's some possibilities there. I, I like it. It's an interesting pick. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the flip side of it, which is I'm gonna pick the Prime Channels thing. I think yeah. that they're going to have uh, something that they could probably actually make happen immediately or almost immediately in the TV app, regardless of whether they've got the service up and running. Which is this? You know, it's been reported, so it sounds like it's gonna happen, but who knows? Which is having a cornerstone of this TV strategy also be bringing other services in that you pay for and all appear in the app. Now, this is a subtle distinction because those services have apps, right? But the idea here is to integrate it in the TV app more directly. That this is you're in the TV app and you can just go Showtime and it'll say buy Showtime and boom, you have added Showtime via an Apple subscription and it appears in the TV app and it's unified with that interface and that they're going to roll out a bunch of deals uh, with that part of it too. So again, I think that has been reported, but it could not happen at this event. Um, And it is a weird thing where it's, you know, again, it's kind of just a making progress over where they are now, which is having those things be apps that can show up in the TV app. But, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like they want everything to live in the TV app. Like they really want you to just find Showtime or CBS All Access or whatever in the TV app and say, yes, please now. And then it's just in there and you don't you don't think about it, which is what Prime Channels does. And it's great. I do I do CBS All Access through 
Prime channels. And it's super easy because it means all of their shows are just mixed in with all the Amazon Prime shows. They're all available. One app. Very convenient. There is another part of this, though, where it's like, yeah, of course Apple would want that. But I wonder if the world has started to change around them a little bit, you know, where a lot of these companies are now starting to really understand the importance of having their own service, you know? Yeah, I I think Amazon views itself as a platform for other services and Netflix doesn't. And Amazon has seen that as an advantage. And I think yeah. it is. And I think if you're one of these smaller services, if you're CBS All Access or Acorn you know, or BritBox, being inside the the loving arms of Amazon or Apple is a good thing because now yeah, like you yeah. are Apple is promoting like because if you go on the Amazon Prime Video app like they're pushing those services like Amazon is advertising other people's streaming services and that's that's pretty good right like and if you search oh. for a show you search for Star Trek oh. Discovery on Amazon it says yes we have it and when you click it says you have to subscribe to cbs all access to get it in prime channels and then you can have it and that is powerful so i think that if if apple did that same thing where they're like you know we're basically promoting your services inside our service if you're in netflix you're not interested but if you are one of these smaller services yeah, i think it's kind of a big deal and i think you want to be there maybe this is why brookbox is launching in the uk could be could be that right. could be one reason mm-hmm. I mean, like again it's the, the to sell that through Amazon and Apple, for example, that's pretty great. And again, Netflix is, does not seem interested, right? Netflix just wants to be the only service you get and all you need. Now, I think Netflix either like you to think it's original, right? Like it is original or they like you to think it is, right? Like I think Netflix's model is trying to make them HBO as opposed to generic service serving up content that i think that's their overall goal right they and they and they want to have everything you want right like netflix's goal really is that you don't ever need to leave the netflix app other other shows are not relevant (laughs) just we give you enough content you never need to have anything but netflix that's that's their that's their strategy and you know right now they're the only ones doing that nobody else is is uh keeping up with them there i think you know we've talked about it other companies may have aspirations but nobody else is netflix right now All right, we're halfway through the draft, which feels like a perfect time to take our final break of this show and thank Squarespace for their support of this show. You can make your next move with Squarespace and easily create a website for your next idea or project. With the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of and customize award-winning templates, and not have to worry about anything to install or patch or upgrade, they are the perfect place your home online there's nothing that you have to worry about with squarespace they take care of it all for you and they back everything up with 24 7 customer support as well if you need any help they'll be there when you need them they also have a lot of great guides and support documents as well if you want to look that up you can um, i have created on website the squarespace websites i've created blogs i've created portfolios i've created stores i've created uh wedding websites and stuff like that i've done all of this stuff with squarespace over the like 10 years that i've been working with them i've created like single page websites as well you know like here is me like you can create like a cv or resume type website on squarespace they have templates for all of these things and also so you don't have to just use the template they have for the reason that they suggest because they're so customizable you can rip it all out and start all over again and just take advantage of the colors and the kind of basic layout of the site it's super customizable and it's one of the reasons that i I love it and have been using it for such a long time. You can go and sign up for a trial right now with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com slash upgrade, play around with it, and when you're ready to put it out to the world, their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain by using the offer code
code UPGRADE at checkout. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash upgrade and the code UPGRADE for 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So moving to pick number three. Okay, this one's a little bit boring, um, but it feels feels pretty inevitable for me. The initial launch will be US only. Of the video service? Yeah, of the video service. Sorry, I should have made that clearer. Um, but the video okay. service, I believe, will, will be US only in its initial launch. Um, that just feels like the way it's going to go. Most of Apple's services like this have been. Um, sometimes there's not too much of a gap, but I'm thinking specifically because of any deals they may need to make with other partners that they will just be making sure they've got all of that stuff taken care of because I don't believe any of their uh, own content will be on the service initially Mm. they can wait a little bit longer before they need to roll it out to other territories yeah I think I think you're probably right just because that seems to be their default I think the um uh, you know what reports suggest is that they are planning to rapidly follow with other countries but um that you know that that's not the same as launching in like the, what if they said we're launching in all english speaking countries or something like that but uh wouldn't that be nice and they mm-hmm. they're going to own all their own content right so they could do that but you do get the sense that not only is the us their biggest market but that it does provide a test bed and makes it easier than to yep. roll it out elsewhere rather than rolling it out in all these different regions and then having problems and having to fix them in all the regions um and there are local regulations about tv and stuff that that can come into play um so i think that's a it's a, definitely a boring pick but also probably a pretty good one yeah I, I will apologize for the boringness of that pick but sometimes sometimes you just gotta go with it in the draft that's draft rules we have other stuff we'll talk about like kind of like the, the ones we haven't picked uh once we've once we finished with the with the overall picks so but that that is one that i think will happen just because as well like this happens with everything <laughs> everything is us only first <laughs> This is just how it is. Yeah, this is it's a meme amongst people that don't live in the U.S. Uh, sure. U.S. only. I cannot tell you how um, much laughter I got out of was it the was it Apple News finally launched in Canada? Yes. And I, I just I laughed, and again I'm not laughing at Canadians. I'm laughing ruefully at the fact that Canada, which is so close to the U.S. in so many ways, yep. it has to wait so long for Apple a services. Mess. Shares yeah. a literal. Yeah, it's, it's geographically close to the United yeah. States, <laughs> um, but they they uh, they have to wait. I think part of the issue there was that they wanted to they needed to make it so that there were it was bilingual, so yeah. that they had French sources as well as English. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just feel bad that and that goes. I have watched that very carefully because you would think Canada it would be easy to bring services to Canada, and yet everybody seems to do it very slowly. Um, which is why my only article I ever wrote for the Crazy Apple Rumors site was specifically about how iTunes was never, ever, ever coming to Canada <laughs> because <laughs> that seems like the lot that the Canadians have. Do you know in, in Ireland, you still can't buy any TV shows in iTunes? Oh, boy. Isn't that wild? Wow. That is that They're is just weird. never bothered. No. No. Well, anyway, when this video service launches in the US, it will be rapidly followed by launches in the, the UK. Mm-hmm. And... uh Let's say Australia and Canada will just get really mad. This is what happened for Apple Music. That was kind of the yeah. rollout. I think it was UK and then US and Australia yeah. um, next. 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the. Don it, you picked the, my pick. The video, <laughs> so you put it in the, the doc. <laughs> the video game. I just pasted into the doc a little early, people, and that's how he read my mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the video game service that has has only been reported, as far as I can tell, with one report, which was in Cheddar, uh, that said in January that Apple was working on a service that would basically. It's unclear exactly how it works. They described it as a Netflix for games. I'm unclear how it's gonna work, but I think that there will be something that they're gonna unveil. Um, presumably with a game demo. I'm not going to pick game demo on stage, but I feel like I could pick it every time. Yeah. Uh, there's always a game demo on stage, but I feel like the only reason there'd be a game demo on stage is because they unveiled this service. Um, I'm not sure exactly what form it's going to take, whether it's going to be that apps are going to have uh, in-app purchase stuff that it gets completely unlocked, if you're a member. Um, if there are certain games that have a price, but if you're a member, it's free. Um if you know some combination of those whether you get like you unlock everything that's in the in-app purchase or if you get like credits every month so that they say you know you pay five dollars for this service or ten dollars for this service but you get twenty dollars in iap credits every month or something like that there there are different ways they could do it um i i'm not saying whether it'll be successful or not but i think i think that this is in the water that apple is trying to do something that makes basically makes the game experience on ios better and this is an interesting example of a service that's basically leveraging their power in the app store um to i think that i think their feeling is that you know games on ios are kind of scummy because everything is free to play with uh, purchases and that this is their next attempt to class it up a little, which is basically to create a hierarchy where if you're a paying games fancy person, you get uh, all the all the junk gets uh, disappeared and you get a more pristine experience. But however, the de- whatever the details are, I'm fascinated to see what they try to do here. But I'm going to put um, a chip down on that they will do a, a a game service that is basically giving you free game stuff on iOS. So let me tell you why I wanted to pick this, Jason. Um, it has only been reported once. That Cheddar Report is the only time it's ever been rumored. Yep. But in the same idea, John Paksowski's report didn't even talk about the video service, right? So like, I right. feel like this event has been pretty well kept under wraps. And also, game developers are pretty used to, and the companies that they will probably be going to for this to begin with, are used to keeping their mouth shut because they're always on stage. Right. That's so right. like there is there is an idea of keeping it under wraps. But I have heard from some third parties and I don't know what to make of it yet, but I have heard of games that are currently in development being delayed for this. Yes. Like I've heard two separate cases of this of yeah. games being delayed. Now it could it could be that they don't launch it here and they launch it at WWDC or something like that. This would seem like a great place to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's possible that the timing is not is not right and this is actually going to be not, not announced at all. Um, although again, if I was doing a bundle, I would mention we're doing this video game thing and it's going to be great and yeah. this is going to roll out in June or whatever, however they want to do it. And I have wild speculation. I know that we love wild speculation on this show, I love it. and I have some wild speculation. Mm-hmm. Nintendo are working on a mobile game of Mario Kart. It's called huh. Mario Kart World Tour, I think is the name. And they mentioned this a long time ago. It was supposed to come out by now. It was supposed to be out basically now in March. That was the original thing. Nintendo's previous earnings call, and the last earnings call, they said it was delayed. No reason, no time frame, but it's delayed. Mm. 
I think Nintendo will be putting the Mario Kart game as part of the streaming service. Right. We might see Nintendo on stage, in fact, on on, uh, on Monday. Nintendo have been on stage before, right? So there yeah. is precedent for it. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto came on stage to announce uh, Super Mario Run. Yeah. I always yep. think Go, but that's Pokemon. Uh, the other reason I think this, the time of Super Mario Go, Super Mario Go, if you remember, was a one-time in-app purchase to unlock the rest of the levels. You got some for free. Nintendo were unhappy with the amount of money that they made from that transaction. From Super Mario Run. Yeah, they were unhappy with how much how much money they made from Super Mario Run. They actually made a lot of money, but it wasn't where they consider their games to usually... They make a lot more money from their games, typically, right? Right. Then there was a report a couple of weeks ago that Nintendo are becoming increasingly more difficult to work with because they, they kind of work in partnership with, with a couple of different... Uh, app development companies. There's a company called Dina, who they who are their biggest partner, and they've worked with some other partners for some other games. I think the Fire Emblem game was made by a different studio. The idea is that Nintendo are being hesitant. They're very hesitant to be bleeding money from their customers. So some of the games that they've released have been quite heavy on in-app purchase since the original one, and it seems like they are changing course on wanting to include that. And that is making the game developers that they're working with unhappy because they can't make as much money. So all of this leads to me thinking Nintendo would love the opportunity to be in a subscription service model with some more guaranteed revenue that Apple will provide them. Because Apple will really want that game in this service if it exists, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mario Kart will make people sign up. Nobody knows what this game looks like, by the way. Like... Is it a racing game? Is it like one of those ones where you're just flicking from left to right? Nobody knows what this game looks like because Nintendo have given no details other than the name um, and that it will probably tie into a future Mario Kart game or the current one. So I think that they would jump at the chance for uh, the option to get more money and I expect Apple will, like they do with a lot of this stuff, like a lot of companies do, be like, okay, you'll make whatever amount of money it will be, but we'll also guarantee it will be at least this much. If you don't make that, we'll give you it, right? As a way to kind of sweeten the pot. It's a possibility. So yeah, that is my whole spiel that I was about to give for pick four about why I think the video game service will be unveiled, even though there's been nothing on it. But I think it's coming. And I think... And I'm not predicting that Nintendo are going to do this. I just think there are a lot of things that line up in the stars which suggest it could be possible. I I love that you talked for three times as long as I did about my pick. Thank you. It's video games, man. I'm all about the video games. I know. Pick four, I've got another really boring one um, because I don't really understand it, but it seems like it's going to happen. An Apple credit card. So this is something that's been rumored that Apple is partnering with Goldman Sachs and they're going to create a credit card and and they're also going to make a bunch of enhancements to Apple Pay to make this a better experience. But I quite frankly cannot fathom what the benefit is to a customer to own this to have this card um i can't work it out but it's been rumored and also there were people from like there's a website called the points guy which is a credit card reward points website who have been invited to this apple event so i don't get it i don't get it um but there's been a bunch of rumors about it and again it's also referenced in mark Gurman's report that like goldman sachs are working on it it's called project cookie which is hilarious um but i don't know what the i I can't fathom why someone would want this like because i don't know what the benefits are yet so they'll be they'll be um presumably part of it because this is how all these point credit cards work 
is purchases at Apple or on the Apple Store or using Apple Pay will get you more points than regular purchases. Yeah. And that presumably you can use your points, you can redeem or dollars or however they want to do it, you can redeem that for a percentage discount of, you know, so if you've got $100, you can redeem it for $150 in Apple credit or something like that, right? Where they will, Apple will compensate you more highly for stuff that is from Apple. So you use your money, you use the card to buy Apple stuff, and then you use the rewards from that to buy more Apple stuff. That's the that's probably how it will work. And then of course there's that rumor that they're going to tie this in with software on the devices that will provide sort of like a higher level of data sync uh in terms of you monitoring your purchases and stuff that this will be a, like a preferred uh card that will do more in your um in your wallet app basically and than i bet the there's going to be some privacy stuff right they're going to be like you know and uh we're going to do x and, i mean like you, we're not going to sell that you know yeah yeah but like what do you use the points on like app store credit like where's what do the points get you i don't know buying new iphones whatever yes. you know buying new apple stuff yeah i guess so hmm. but yeah that this also just feels like company gets to a size like like apple's and they're basically, you know, we spoke about this before, like Apple's moved slowly to become a bank. Um, yeah. This is part of it. When you have so much money, you start. You need to start to be able to control money. <laughs> and this is where Apple is in their company's life cycle. So making, starting to make a credit card, you know, like an understanding what that looks like. It reminds me of like working with Motorola to create the rocker, right? Like, let's just start and we have a company yeah. and we see what this looks like and we understand a little bit more about this business and then maybe down the line, we do something more. So, right. Super weird one, but it feels like a possibility. It may not be earth shattering. I mean, like everybody's got a everybody's got a credit card, a branded credit card. Yeah. Everybody. So you can get your Marvel Comics card. You can get your Major League Baseball card. You can get your airline card. Mm-hmm. They, they're all out there. Um, okay. So this I- This is the last pick, by the way. It is. It is. I'm going to go down pricing um, with my last pick. And I was thinking about this because I've been talking for a while now about this service and thinking about how they how they could price it, um, and thinking uh, out of the gate they're not going to have a lot. They're, they've got a smaller collection of originals, um, and I think the the debate has really been sort of at that ten dollar break point. Is this a nine ninety nine service or is this more than nine ninety nine? Nine ninety nine, sure, seven ninety nine, five ninety nine a month, whatever it is. And then I was thinking about it. Netflix now costs the base. The base, right, where you don't get 4K and you don't get multiple users at once, and it's just a base model is 10.99, I think, maybe 11.99, but it's they they just raised it. HBO Go is like 15 dollars a month. Um, and I will point you back to my law of pricing, which is that uh, whatever price you think Apple's going to price something at. Um, add money to it and then add a percentage to that. And that's the actual price of the product. And that's why, even though I've been thinking this entire time we've been talking about this, that this service would launch at a low price, I don't think it is. I think it's going to be more than $10 a month. Um, I will also point out the higher you make the standalone price, the better the bundle looks. So I think that's part of it too is why not set the price standalone price high because what you really want and it's not high compared to like again compared to Netflix even if you match Netflix they're not going to have conf- content on the Netflix level but if you look at some of the other streaming services they're all kind of pushing upward 
from five or six dollars and Apple wants to be viewed as a premium product. So they're going to they're going to charge more because charge more means you're worth more. And that's certainly what HBO is thinking. So um, that's that's I mean, who knows what will happen to HBO in the long run because of Warner Media. But I think Apple will price the standalone video service at more than ten dollars a month for these reasons. They want to be seen as premium and it gives them that much more of a savings when you bundle it with music or you bundle it with the or or what or the big bundle or whatever they want to call it. So I again I'm not I'm not a hundred percent or even um sort of seventy percent confident in this, but um I was gonna pick less than ten dollars and I thought about it and I was like, there's no way I can pick that. Never bet against Apple being cheap. That's a wonderful rule to live by. <laughs> Just live I mean, and you'll never be disappointed is the second part of that, right? Because it's mm-hmm. sometimes you might be ple- pleasantly surprised that they're cheaper than you thought. But um it does save you from a lot of heartache when when you think, oh, that MacBook Air is going to be nine ninety nine, and then it's not, and you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's Apple. All right, so they are the four main draft picks. We'll we'll go through a couple of extra ones um, as we finish off today, but we're going to go into our super weird celebrity round um, because of everything that's happening. We're assuming Apple's going to have some stuff to say about their own original content. The assumption that we have going into this event is there will be some celebrities on stage coming out yes. to talk about the stuff that they're making. Um, yep. So what we're going to do is just give the name of the people, maybe a little bit of explanation why, but that probably isn't required. But I'm going to go with my number one pick, who feels like the most obvious person to be there for me, which is Reese Witherspoon. The reason I pick Reese Witherspoon, not only is she in uh, the morning drama tv show thing which has a lot of celebrities a lot of big aliases in it uh reese witherspoon's production company hello sunshine has sold multiple shows to apple at this point yeah she three is probably three yes she is probably their single most important creator on the service in a weird interesting way because not it doesn't matter about her a-list status she is a big power player in hollywood now and uh, is exerting herself in that way so i think reese she'll be there Plus, plus, she is in the show with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. Yeah. Yep. So she is wearing the two hats. Exactly. There. Which I think that's why I, th- I think that she is like so important to the service. Like she is behind the scenes and in front of the camera. This was going to be my clever first pick after you took the obvious pick, but you took it instead, which is very clever of you. Um, I will just go ahead and say, who's the only person who Apple has talked about? who they're excited <laughs> to be yes. in business with, and that's Oprah! Oprah! <laughs> yes, Oprah Winfrey was a high on my list too. They are going to be willing out Oprah for this one. You would think. I, I think Oprah can walk out. She's fine. Yeah. She could just walk and give a wave and just walk straight off again, and we're all good. Although I like her being brought out in like a sedan chair or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, here she is. It's Oprah. Say no more. But uh, yeah. I don't know who's going to be on stage. Is anybody going to be on stage? But I like the idea that this is Apple's opportunity to cart out celebrities. So uh, we might as well pick them and see what happens. I'm imagining, do you remember when Marvel brought all of their create, like all of their heroes out for the first Avengers movie, you know, and they all did that like big lineup, like good, good, all our superstars. Like that's what this feels like to me, that it's where they might not get that exact shot. It is. This is the beginning of the Apple Cinematic Universe. Um, sure, got it. So my next pick is J.J. Abrams for a similar oh, reason for Reese Witherspoon. J.J., that's the best. Pick. You've mentioned before, big Apple fan, but also Huge involved in two projects at Apple um, right now. So uh, I think J.J. will be happy to come on stage. Yeah, yeah. He is a giant Apple fan from way back. Mac fan. Um, did the opening titles and music for the show Alias, which was his second TV show. Uh, himself on his Mac. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The music and the titles. They had him in that, like, photo montage, didn't they, a while ago, of people using Macintosh? And he's spoken at WWDC. He is producing a show for Apple. I think it's a, I think it's a good one. Yeah, he's producing two. There's two shows. Two shows. See, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Steven Spielberg next. Good pick. Uh, he, he, is, uh, he made a deal with Apple for uh, Amazing Stories. He was one of the first people to make a deal with Apple. Um, I think everybody knows who Steven Spielberg is. That, is. that is helpful. He is a legend in Hollywood. And the thing that put it over the edge to me it, it, for me is that he has spoken out uh, in negative ways about Netflix and film. Um, and even though Apple has some film plans of its own, I kind of like the idea that Steven Spielberg would take, would, would go to an Apple event as a dig on Netflix. So Mm. I'm going to pick Steven Spielberg. Beef. He's going for the beef. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I really struggled with my last, we were on our last picks for this because Apple have at their disposal here, maybe not at their disposal, but on their roster. I mean, I was looking at this when putting this together, the star power that they have for this service is astronomical to me. Like, Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, is going to be doing a show. Jason yep. Momoa, who's Aquaman, is doing a show. You've got... Captain America. Captain, Captain America. America. Chris Evans is doing a show. My understanding you know? is that Chris Evans has been shooting... Uh, was shooting scenes in, in, a, in, in the park behind John Syracuse's house, so... Oh, wow! I can report that exclusively here. I think Chris Evans was in John's <laughs> backyard, and who knows? Syracuse is in the show! Maybe John's dog ran past Chris Evans, and, <laughs> and he petted it. Who knows? But they have a lot of uh, stars, but I think that they will want to show a bit of breadth in their service offering. So I think they will have a representative from Sesame Workshop come on stage. You have, are you saying that there will be a puppet? I don't know if there'll be a puppet. There, there might be a puppet, but an, an individual from the Sesame Workshop will come on stage to talk about some of the content that they're working. Because like Oprah, they have a, a, like a big, big contract. It's not a like, yeah. here's this one show. It is a, you're going to make a suite of products for us. They also have this with um, Peanuts, like Charlie Brown and stuff. But I think Sesame Workshop feels good. Uh, that would probably be a good, good kind of like, hey, we're not just all about adult t- shows and dramas and stuff like that. We've got, we've got something for everyone. So I think Sesame Workshop will be uh, on stage at the event. And I have so many to pick here. I feel like um, Jason Momoa, who is the star of of that show C, which by all accounts is one of the most expensive TV shows made, <laughs> maybe maybe outside of Game of Thrones, um, is I, I I would not be surprised if he's there. He is also Aquaman, um, but uh, I'm going to go in a different direction, which is I'm going to jump off of your J.J. Abrams pick and say, especially since Apple enjoys uh, music as well. Uh, whether it's a musical performance or whether it's just a joint performance with JJ, I'm going to say Sarah Bareilles because she is working with JJ Abrams on a show called Little Voice and she is composing the music for the show. Um, So I think that's really interesting. Like it is, it is uh, that, that, yeah, that, that I like that connection. It just feels very appley that she's she's working 
um, with J.J. Abrams, and she's working, doing music stuff, mm-hmm. and that makes uh, makes Apple yeah. happy. Apple I think that's a good pick, too. because if they do J.J., he's probably going to come out with one of his collaborators. You know, like they're working together on a show, so it makes sense for them to come out together and talk about the show that they're working on. Now, I want to see Ron Moore, uh, who was a Star Trek producer in Battlestar Galactica and does Outlander now. I want to see him on stage, but I don't think Ron Moore... Again, I think you either need to be a big-name producer or you need to be somebody who is... Uh, uh, well-known entertainer. So again, just to clarify the celebrity round, these are the actual human beings walking on the stage, yes, not on not, not appearing in a trailer, yes. Exactly. Because we have a trailer round. Trailer round! So these are, we're assuming that Apple will show some trailers for their content or some scenes yes. or something to show, like, we do actually have stuff. Look how good it yeah, is. Yeah, I think it could even be a still. I think they could even okay. be, if you if you show a still image if of something. If we see I think... something from a TV production on a screen, yes. that counts for this round. Yeah, I suppose if they do one of those things where they have like a video that shows a, a like a billion cuts of all the different shows that they're doing in in a minute mm-hmm. that uh, all of these might score mm-hmm. uh, but uh, and we'll have to do some little uh, trailer uh, like frame by frame trailer analysis <laughs> in order to get that out but we'll do that we'll do that so my first one I'm going to go with because I think that this is going to be their crown jewel the Reese Witherspoon Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell morning show drama um, I think that for me the sheer star power that they have attached to this show is going to make it an important show for them. Um, I think that, you know, it was, it was incredible when they brought on Witherspoon and Aniston to be in a show together, especially because Jennifer Aniston's not been in TV shows for such a long time. This is her return to TV. But then when they added Steve Carell and later on, it was like, Oh, okay. Like they, they wanted to go big, right. For, for their, like for the final casting of all of this, like not, they have pumped, a lot of star power into this one show. Um, so I think that this is going to be a big one for them. And I think, you know, some kind of some kind of imagery for that will look good if they're all on screen at the same time. You know, like, look at this. Look at all these amazing stars. They're in yeah. one of our TV shows. We have three yeah. Hollywood actors in one TV show. It's also um, an early order. And I think that that's, there's some power in that too. It was ordered a long time ago. Yep. And it also seems like it's, this isn't a science fiction show. This one is probably faster to make, right? You yeah. would assume. Right. And, and I think it'll be one of the first ones that they launch. Uh, we didn't draft a uh, sort of a launch strategy, but I would not be surprised if there were, if they made pilots available to everyone mm-hmm. or to some people. I think that's sensible. In the same way that, you know, I think they'll have some other content and you can buy, right? You buy the subscriptions. I think it'll be similar. They'll have some kind of, uh, hey, watch this one episode. But that, right. but that might exist after a free trial period, which I think will right. we have, exist. We had lots of things that we didn't get into in this in this draft that I think are really open questions. Maybe we'll talk about it briefly at the end mm-hmm. uh, with the Bring Out Your Dead round. Um, I'm going to go, uh, you said, uh, you know, it's not science fiction. Uh, I'm going to say they, they need some science fiction because they want some uh, explosions. And if Jason Momoa isn't on stage, they could at least put Aquaman himself in uh in a, a clip from C, which again, if they're spending a lot of money on it, that mm-hmm. money is going to be on the screen. I think they will want something that's got you know dazzling visuals, explosions, and the like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say we'll see something of C. Um, I I agree. It was on my list. Uh, I'm gonna go back to Oprah. There's gonna be some Oprah content uh in in this thing. I think. Do we all get a car? Uh, you know. <laughs> Look under your seats. You will get an Apple TV. Okay, I'm looking. For, I'm looking forward to that. Apple TV is for everybody. Yeah, I think there's right. something. I have no idea what it will be, but as again, be as Oprah. we mentioned, they've made a big song and dance about this one. So, oh, uh, I am gonna. 
I'm going to play uh, favorites a little bit, and I'm going to say, uh, in addition to C, I think we're going to... Uh, one of the early orders was Ronald D. Moore's sci-fi series, and although Ron Moore may not be a household name to be put on stage, I hope he is, but I, I didn't pick him. Um, that is an interesting show because it's about the space race, uh, but the space race continued after the Apollo program and continues to this day. So it's an advanced sort of human exploration in space, also mm-hmm. possibly Cold War kind of show. And, you know, we're headed up to the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Um, I think it would be, I think thematically it would be good with all these sci-fi series is a question of, do they have clips that have effects or can they do some effects for the clips? I'm sure they could if they wanted to. That happens for trailers, for movies. They do effects just for the trailers. Uh, because it's so much earlier than the rest of the movie. So I'm going to put uh, a chip down on that one, on, on Ron Moore's sci-fi series about space, uh, the space race, because I think it will have some spectacular visuals that uh, people will like. Uh, my final pick for trailers is going to be Little America, um, which is being uh, created by husband and wife team Kumal Najini and Emily V. Gordon. They, they worked on ah, yeah. The Big Sick together. The Big Sick, yeah. Great, great movie. And they're working with uh, some of the producers and writers of Masters of None, Aziz Ansari's show. And it's basically looking at true stories of immigrants in America and like telling their kind of, and it's described as the funny, romantic, heartfelt, inspiring, and unexpected lives of immigrants in America at a time where their stories are more relevant than ever. I think Apple's, again, going to want to show some some breadth to their um, kind of offering. But also, you know, The Big Sick performed so well at award shows uh, I think that, that it might also, you know, and also that movie was very successful as an indie hit even. So I think that's going to gonna play pretty well for them. Lots of great choices still on the board because they've, they've ordered so many shows. Oh my God, so many shows. I'm going to go, I'm going to go like you chose Sesame Workshop in the celebrity round. I'm going to go with another one of their deals that shows the well-roundedness of this. So you've got the Oprah content. We've shown a mainstream drama. We've got some sci-fi. We've got this almost kind of indie feeling uh, and Netflix feeling show with yep, Little America. Very Netflix feeling show. <laughs> I'm going to round it out with with kids content. And in this case, rather than going back to Sesame Workshop, I'm going to pick uh, Peanuts, Charlie Brown, that we'll get a glimpse of, uh, even if it's literally just a glimpse of Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Uh, I think Apple wants to send a message of like, yeah, we got Peanuts because they do. They they made a deal with, with uh, Charles Schultz's uh, company to do charlie brown peanuts content is as well as their deal with sesame workshop to do new stuff so uh charlie brown and, and snoopy are recognizable i think worldwide and uh so they'll they'll appear somehow on stage as a part of this because you gotta brag you gotta you gotta brag about having uh snoopy locked up i think as well it's like who would you bring out on stage right so like yeah. that one makes sense to show charlie brown everybody yeah. So nope. I think that that would that would make sense to show visually as opposed to like, hey, bring out this person because there kind of isn't really anybody to bring out. All right. So finally, our tiebreaker. So yes. our tiebreaker round is a madcap question uh, in the essence of Supplied just giving us an out. Supplied by yep. Jason Snell. And the question is, what is the color of Tim's shoes? <laughs> uh, I should have done some research into this. You should have. Beforehand, but I'm going to say dark gray. Dark gray. Okay. We're going to have a real debate if it's a mid-tone gray. Oh, it's going to be wild. Um, I am going to say... See, I looked at pictures, and he has done white. Mm-hmm. He's done black. I There's a lot of Kremlinology that should not go on about this, so I'm going to say white. 
All right, so before we before we finish out today, we've got our whole draft. As always, you can find uh, the scorecard in the show notes, so you can draw, you can like pick along at home. But things that we didn't talk about, I just had a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, I think that Apple will talk about other partners that they're going to be working with to bring AirPlay to, like Roku, maybe yeah. Fire TV as well. Just like these are some other companies that we're going to work with. They'll show, they'll talk about their deal with Samsung. They'll talk about the home apps on uh, like, you know, the advancements uh, with home and what they're going to be doing with AirPlay on other devices. But I think they'll also have some other options to show off, which will be Roku, Fire TV as the low price entry point and then they're still going to have the apple tv as the higher point and then working with other tv manufacturers and integrating home kit and stuff like that i will throw in one that i didn't pick which is uh which i really like which is uh tim apple i think somebody will make a tim apple reference yeah, on stage i, I don't think about it will that. be i don't think it will be tim cook but perhaps one of those crazy actors will say thanks tim apple oh yeah i hadn't thought I of it that it. way that was good yeah because yeah, I, th- I thought when i put it in it just happened and I was like, ah, they'll make a. And I was, now it feels like a bit old, the joke, but yep. it definitely feels like something someone would say to get a quick, a cheap laugh. Yes, I wanted to ask you because you put in a yep. couple of things, and, uh, and this is probably what you would go to next. But mm-hmm. what is going to happen with the Mac and this content? Yeah, so I think one of the most fascinating things here. I think it'll be in the TV app everywhere else. One of the most fascinating things about this whole thing, and um, uh, is where what happens on the Mac, and I, I think it's a real question. I almost made this a pick em as well because it really is like, what do they do? So I think they got some options, right? They can say, we put it in iTunes. Yay. Nobody is excited about that. Uh, they could say, it's going to be on the TV app, which is coming to the Mac this fall. They could do that, right? Like Marzipan, and it'll be on the TV app this fall, and you'll need to upgrade your Mac in order to watch the service. They could say... Um, it is uh, what we're also doing is you can log into your account and watch it on the web. And that means that if you're on a Mac or a PC or any other platform, Chromebooks, whatever, you can watch it on the web as well. And that's like, I mean, every other video service, right? The the fallback is the web. If they don't have an app, it's fine. It's on the web. I think that might be the easiest thing for them to do. And then they don't need to worry about updating any Mac app to support it. And maybe the TV app comes later. Um, and it, it is possible that they will just literally say, this will be on the Mac in the fall when that app comes out, and otherwise you have no uh, no other way to watch it on the Mac. But um, I, I don't know which one they're going to choose. If I had a guess, I would say it will be available on the web, and then maybe the TV app will come to the Mac this fall. Mazepan. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that would yeah. be the scenario there. But I I would really like them to see to see them do a web version. Only because it um, it gets them on all other platforms without them actually having to support them particularly, as long as they can get the web page. It answers a million questions. Exactly. That, you know, right. It's just oh, it's if you want it, it's just on the web. Go watch it on the web. Yeah. Log into your Apple ID, and there it'll be. So that is the draft. The draft is taken care of. You can find links to Scorecard and links to everything else we discussed about in this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed this extra special, wonderful bonus bumper yes. episode of Upgrade. This has been a really big episode for us. Yes, thanks, thanks to uh, thanks to our special guest as well. It was yep. uh, 
a big, big moment for us to have a, yep. a special Apple guest on. I know. For we're, the first time. Very, very, very happy about that. And yeah. again, we'll actually give a, a, a little shout follow out. You should go listen to ATP with Phil Schiller. It's incredible. It's a wonderful, totally. wonderful episode. Totally. But it's all these Apple people on podcast now. I know. What's going isn't on? it great? But we're feeling very, very, uh, we feel really pleased that we we're able to do this today. And I hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as we have enjoyed putting it together. You can find links to everything that we've spoken about today over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 237. Um, but you can also find those links um, in your your podcast app of choice if you want to find jason online you can go to sixcolors.com uh, theincomparable.com and he is at jay snell on social networks like uh, twitter and instagram and stuff like that and i am at imike i-m-y-k-e uh, thanks to squarespace and lunar display and green chef for the support of this show but most of all as always thank you for listening we'll be back next time when we're reporting live after an event yes that's right it'll be a later release than usual because i will be in cupertino for the event but it's going to be the regular day usually it's like a wild day of the week but it's going to be on monday jason's going to be there yes. so we will be reporting um as soon as he is done and back in uh, the snail zone yes i will tell you what oprah is really like oprah okay so thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back next week with even more until then say goodbye jason snell oh i'm tired goodbye everybody Thank you.